God, it's another day in the neighborhood, and I don't know how I feel, but I am tired. But welcome back to, the, <laughs> to, to this crazy episode, that, crazy. this crazy show that is the Jigsaw Podcast. I am yes. Josh Rogers. I'm Brian here. And we're here for another edition of it all. Um, yeah. This is the show where we talk mm-hmm. about... Um, all the things, but particularly we talk about the perils, the praise, uh-huh. the productivity, and the pump of circumstance of being black millennials trying to navigate life. Brian, how are you doing, brother? <sighs> it's always a great day to be black, man. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Regardless of what's going on in the world, it's always a great day to be black. I woke up this morning in my mind, stayed on my blackness. <laughs> yes, you, you felt something in your Holy Ghost? I did. Woke up this morning. So listen, I think... The saints knew what they were saying when they said, I woke up in my right mind. Because mm. sometimes I don't feel like I be in my right mind. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. But if I, when I look at the world all around me. Oh, hey, glory to us now. I see how I still got my right mind. And for mm. that, God, I say thank you. Th- thank you? <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ooh, we on the road to Pentecost. Don't we, I was just about to say that. Much. I'm just Look about at to say that. Too much. <laughs> it ain't gonna take much. It ain't gonna take much. You got your white suit ready for Pentecost? Uh, no, 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 no. I might wear some white britches though. Okay. Yeah, if What's you wear the white pants, you got to make sure you have on your good draws. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gonna wear some, like white jeans with like distressed, or you gonna wear some like white linen pants? Like, what is well, the white? I don't have be? white linen pants. Let's start there. Okay. <laughs> I also don't have white distressed jeans. Okay. I do have a pair of like white chinos, and I okay. have a pair of like white. I guess two pair of white chinos. One is a little bit more dressier than the other. Okay. And you know how I wear my pants? They are both pretty skin tight. <laughs> Listen. So. And God, God is gonna get a bulge of glory <laughs> on Pentecost. Yes, God. <laughs> Have your way, Father. Uh, I'm gonna show my legs and hips and body, body. <laughs> God as bless Candy. It's Candy, candy Beer said in that terrible song. <laughs> my God, Jesus, what's going on with you, brother? <laughs> man, just nothing, man. Just you know. <laughs> <laughs> Legs and hips and body, body. body. <laughs> I love how the thing is the song is not new. It's like an old song, and the blacks will just pull stuff from anywhere, and then it'll make it trend in like in seconds. Yes, yeah, she went. That's when she did her Tyler Perry play. Oh, the, a mother's love. A mother's love. And, wait, and did to, you, but don't you? And maybe this is. Is this in the billboard? Is this in the billboard? Um, what candy? In her new play, she's in the billboard, but I don't know if she's okay. We're gonna talk about this right now. Is listen to this is the black excellence of it all. Let's mm-hmm. let's, 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 throw a, let's throw a few segments in this intro. Okay, she went from a mother's love to legs, mm-hmm. body, body, mm-hmm. to now producing a Tony nominated Broadway play, and she just announced she's about to do another like the piano lesson. Like a real bro, like a le- another legit bro play with Samuel Jackson starring wow. Candy. <laughs> like <how> did- <laughs> Candy, uh, Candy That's is a mogul. So many layers. To Candy just does it all, and and I and we. Can, I would love to get Candy her flowers because Candy is not afraid to fail. Candy mm-hmm. is fearless. She goes out mm-hmm. and does the things. She don't mm-hmm. care if people make mockery of her, make the mm-hmm. jokes. Mm-hmm. She embraces it. She laughs. About all the things, and she laughed all the way to the bank. 
As Nitty would say, I'm rich. I'm, I cast Trump check. Now, that didn't age well. <laughs> it did not age well. But it was funny in the moment. <laughs> it was. It was I'm funny. Just, it was funny when, you know, Trump was actually sending out checks for, like, you know, stimuluses. Stimuli. I always it was. Stimuli. And, and that's, when, that's when it came back. That's yeah. when it became relevant again because we was all yeah. cashing Trump checks. <laughs> I know I posted something about the, 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 it's a Trump check. I'm going to tell you something. Trump checks. I did not want Donald J. Trump to be my president and would never vote for him again. How be ever. <laughs> Mm. We got a lot of STEMI. We got stimulators <laughs> in that man's administration. That's Listen, <laughs> stimulate. And Biden over here having a hard time canceling the student loan. Listen, can't, they ain't gonna cancel student loans. Gas prices is high. Let me tell you something. If gas gets to six dollars a gallon, I'm gonna start selling legs, hips, and body. Okay. body. <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah, that's I, the only way I'm gonna be able to afford it. We're gonna do a jigsaw OnlyFans account. We gonna have that. to do something because Just I don't only- know that I'm gonna be able to to make it happen. Listen, would y'all would y'all be interested in a jigsaw? Not us being together, but in, <laughs> you know, in terms of you know, let's <laughs> start let's start dying real fast. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make this money, Joshua. Jesus, we need this money. They, they say we got we had multiple streams of income. We got to make this money. Well, you know, I already got 19 jobs. Throw another one at me. <laughs> Jesus. Hips, legs, and body, and body. <laughs> Hips, legs, body, body. Oh man, be on um, <laughs> be on the OnlyFans showing my toes. You know, people got them toe fingers, right? <laughs> Just showing toes, the toes and feet, toes and fingers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Anyway, before this goes way too far left, um, <sighs> what you far? I think it's your week, brother. Song of the week. <clears throat> Song of the week. So I'm actually gonna sing, and I'm not in good voice. I'm not gonna say that. I can't even hear myself in my in my my uh. In my headphones, we're gonna. We buying technical difficulties now. <laughs> like I, it, even yeah, it's, it's not allowed. So I'm gonna sing a song. I'm not a good voice, <clears throat> but it's appropriate. Not necessarily for the episode, but it's appropriate in life okay. right now. What's going on in the world? Okay. And, Do you? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Oof. Jesus. I should. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna play. I'm not gonna punk out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sing it. I'm gonna Do sing it. it. Okay. Here it goes. You, you probably should know. You know. You know this one. Okay. Mother, mother, mm, uh-huh. there's too many of you crying. Uh-huh. Dum, dum. Brother, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's far too many of you dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know we got to find a way yeah. mm-hmm. to bring some loving here today. Oh, yeah, oh, you know. oh, oh, father, father, uh-huh, uh-huh. we don't need to escalate. Oh, yes. War is not the answer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No love can conquer hate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know we got to find a way uh-huh. to bring some loving here today. Oh, oh, oh. Picket lines Sister. and picket signs. <laughs> Sister, me. Sister. <laughs> with brutality, Sister. so talk to me, Sister. so you can see, Sister. what's going on, 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 that's the what's going on by the Marvin Gaye and Joshua is, <laughs> is in the groove, he is feeling uh-huh. the rhythm. 
Let me, let me let me get my let me get my Beyonce neck thing on. That's the seventies. Oh, the uh, the uh, dream, the dream girls neck. That's, the, that's how they danced in the seventies. Yeah, we are dream girls. Girl, you make it happen. I don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Oh, it's appropriate for the such a tragedy. Coming up on Father's Day and his daddy killed him. Lord, ain't it Lord, something? Lord, 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 and he said that Lord, was too much brutality. Lord. Oh, you've been blessing me when I look where you have brought me. You sure have been blessing me. Yeah, Lord, Lord, Lord. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. You've been blessing me. I can tell the world, tell the world that I am blessed. I am blessed. Yes. Woo. That's a good one. On the way to Pentecost. You slapped that into my spirit. It hit me right there like a like a crump. Jumped up on me. Crumping was a thing, man. Crumping it was, was a thing. thing. And as a teenager, I hurt myself trying to crump. <laughs> I have a host. I was doing it like this, and I like almost gave myself a black eye. <laughs> Do one. <of> the <laughs> I've never been able to dance. Like I, you know, I'm not a big dancer, but I used to. I I tried the trends. I want to learn how to do the gritty. Oh, the thing well, that's easy. You just. Well, no, it ain't. I thought it was easy, like shouting, and it ain't. <laughs> it ain't. <laughs> nah, have you seen that and little I also slide want to do thing? The a bay bass slide thing. Boom. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've tried uh, those. Uh, 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 uh. Did you try? You got hardwood floors, so you should be sliding out through your house. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we get together, we're going to record us trying to do those those things. Let's do it. Are you, are you cooking out? This, are you cooking out this week? I've been I've been debating. So Ash's mom. Celebrated sixty, mm-hmm. I think. Well, Miss Val- Miss Cynthia celebrated. We all everybody's turning sixty. Um, yeah. Shout out to the moms turning sixty out here. Uh, so uh-huh. Ashley's mom turned sixty over the weekend, and she pulled me out of retirement. I cooked, mm. like cooked, cooked, mm. and you know, I don't cook like that no more. So I'm tired. Mm. I am tired, but I've been heavily considering doing it because you know we're moving. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about doing maybe one or two last hurrahs at this house. <laughs> so um, I will keep you updated, brother, on yeah, what my plans know. are for. Because um, it'll probably be Monday. It'll be Monday. Okay. Most people work from home, all that kind of stuff. So we can kick it on a Monday. But yeah, I will keep you updated for sure. Yeah, please do. All right. So you ready to get into a blessed report? Talk about some black excellence. Let's do it. Let's go do it. Let's go. Yeah. All right, we are here at the Blessed Report. We shout out black businesses doing great black things in their communities, in their neighborhoods, and just all kind of stuff. So this week we have SLRG Apparel by Smither following a second. That's my frat brother. That's my line brother. Shouts out to Smither. Smither. You know Smither. That's a colored name. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Strong black name. Listen. Strong. Strong. We strong love a black good strong name. black name. We love a good yes, strong black do. name. And he's the second. So shout out to uh, Smither Fallen. So his grandparents decided to say it. Right. Smither. Smither. That's it. <laughs> it is what My it is. My great grandfather's name was Early. So, you know. <laughs> My grandfather's name was Herc. Herc you. Middle name Lee. <laughs> we, we, talk, we talked about we that. Talk, so if it, my grandfather has the strongest black name in the history of strong black he names. Herc you Lee. Herc you. I was going to say my Lee uncle Hare. got a black one too, but it don't be his name is Lee Vernis. Oh, Lee Vernis. Not Lee <laughs> Vernon. Lee Vernis. Uh, Lee Vernis. L-E-E. Capital V. <laughs> E-R-A. 
N-E-S. That's Levi one Vernis. That's one name? It's what? Lavernus. Lavernus. <laughs> and because Ooh. of his country, it was Vonnie. That was not not, not Vernie, Vonnie. <laughs> Vonnie. But Hercule Lee. <laughs> when, when your mama said that, remember that thing, that, that it blessed the African American ancestor inside of me. It mm. <laughs> touched my soul. So I wish you would have been a Hercule Lee. I wish Ooh, Hercule a... Allen hair. Woo! <laughs> 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 That's giving Thank me so you, much mother. joy. <laughs> you have been Elder Hercule Lee. Yeah. Hercule. Hercule. Your degree would have said Hercule. Yeah. I love that so much. The scroll would have said Hercule. Yes. Woo. Your line name could have been Poseidon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep it all in. Keep it all in the Greek mythology. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Strong. It'd have been, instead of strong man, strong. Strong, <laughs> strong man. <laughs> strong man. <laughs> you know we like to put a K and stuff. Strong man. Strong. You gotta leave here. That's what Shirley said because you're wasting your Woo. time. You're wasting your time. And that my whole shot time. Yes. Come on to Pentecost. Come on to Pentecost. So Okay, Smither. man, you're Smither. wasting your time. So, Smither, a.k.a. Smike Fallen, uh, SLRG is not just a brand, it is a lifestyle. SLRG stands for Successful Life Regardless, and he wants to encourage people to let them know that they want to welcome you to the success story that you are, right? Live your dreams and be proud of doing that. This is a clothing line that ensures our customers, their customers, uh, the satisfaction of looking good, but most importantly, feeling good about themselves, and that is a level of up and Smither is definitely again my line brother, my frat, our frat brother, uh, who's doing great things in the community. So please go out there and support him. SLRG apparel.com. Uh, he also has the, the page um, uh, on Instagram. He also has a record label. So SLRG uh, is an actual record label as well. So go out and check out the good music, all those places. Come on. Um, I didn't know any of these things about Smither. Smither Smyther is a person that you know you would never. He doesn't talk about much stuff that he does, but he does he does things. So I'm he's in he's in, in every field uh, in every field endeavor. of human endeavor. That's he's, just he's what covering we do. a few endeavors. <laughs> <laughs> As a person like yourself that knows endeavors, Smither, you could recognize people who have. I recognize endeavors. nigga. Recognize nigga. I recognize <laughs> endeavoring. <laughs> we endeavoring. Endeavorasso, if you will. It's endeavorosity. Come on, stars, right? Begin the two thousand yen. You supposed to, you supposed to, you supposed to memorize how to say it's a great day to be black in Spanish. I do, I, I do. All right, next episode, I'm, I'm gonna have it memorized <laughs> for our bilingual. I, and no, I should do. I should every week give you give you a different language. Mm. That's what I should do. Well, I'm gonna ask French you in a different week, language. And in Chinese one week. Well, I want to do it in Dutch and be like hang du flak du dak or something. Like German. Yeah. Yeah. Learning is why he something. Yes, well, I'm gonna that's what we're gonna do. For now, I'm gonna do that. Be black. We can go all through the continent. We're gonna do the whole continent of Africa. Yeah. Shout out to Samaya. I I really like Samaya. He's a great guy. Great brother, good brother, great good brother. My, I, I have a great. My line has. Some you great have brothers, some really brothers. solid line brothers. We do, we do. So mm-hmm. shout out to Smither. He just had a birthday recently. Shout out to him getting married later on this year. It's a big year for him. Big year, big year for him. Oh, yeah. um, oh 
So with that being said, so uh, bless up to Smile the Fallen and SLRG Apparel and Record Label. Um, graduation, congratulation. I think I have something for you. Hold on. Hallelujah. Here it goes. Oh, that's nice and trapping. <laughs> for those that graduated recently, for wherever you graduated from, either be elementary school, fifth grade promotion, going to middle school, mm-hmm. middle school graduations, high school mm-hmm. graduation, college graduations, grad. Uh, undergrad, grad, I don't know, wherever you graduated, congratulations to you, all the class, niggas of 2022. <laughs> all the niggas of 2022. All the niggas of 2022. <laughs> spring 2022. Mm. Graduates of spring 22. And we don't want to forget fall 21, the winter of 21. Yeah, we don't want to forget that either. Or summer 22, because we ain't coming back around to this probably. We not. <laughs> so all y'all that graduated either in fall 21, spring of 22, and then in summer of of twenty twenty two, and even though they're graduated on this, we're probably not gonna remember you anyway. So those that just graduated within the last few, you know, those that cum laude, solid cum laude, what well, all the laudes. Uh, some <laughs> people say thank you laude, thank you laude. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think I, that I, came from a different world. It did. I the thank think you laude because I was watching the episode recently, and um. When Wayne them graduated, and he was like, "Oh, Mr. Summa, uh, uh, Mr. Games, like Mr. Summa Cum Laude," and then he went to uh, Whitley and called her uh, Miss Cum Laude, and then looked at Ron and said, "And thank you, Lord." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he was the originator, but I mean, possibly, possibly. We, we, we're we're, we're going to give him the credit. We're going to give him the credit. Shout out, Mr. Games. Mr. Games, just a Mr. Games. R.I.P. I'm assuming he's dead. I'm assuming he's dead. So shout out to everybody who commenced. Yes. And we'll be commencing. Um, yes. If Nippy was alive, she would have said, I believe the children are our future. Yeah, that's good. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. Pride. If you know, you know, and if you don't, if you don't sing the song like that and say pride like that, then you don't, you know. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you, you ain't. You know, your blackness is a question. <laughs> a pride. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. So <laughs> I know that I know that's your movie too. It, it's my movie. It is my movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so blessed with the smother. Uh, blessed with all the graduation the people that graduated recently. Uh, even those ITT Tech DeVry, you are you matter too. Phoenix, you you matter. You matter. Shout out to UTI. Some, some, some special shout outs. Dr. Lauren Hare. Shouts out, doctor. Shouts out. The light skinned educated phenom herself. <laughs> Shouts <laughs> out to, to my sis. Do- doctor. Doctor. Earn doctor. She earn. the class and stuff. Listen, you know. earn, not given. Earn. Not no honorary. She crossed the burning sands of doctoral hood. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dr. Spring 22. Dr. Dr. Spring. Spring. Listen, that's a line. Dr. AKA. Shout out to my line brother, Brandon. He graduated with his master's. Master's in education. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to those who graduated. And my son uh, is graduating from fifth grade tomorrow. So yeah. Well, today, uh, if you're listening to this. So shout, shout out to all the personal graduates right. um, that we know and to all the uh, all the niggas of 2022. Right. All um, the niggas of 2022. Does that wrap up the bless up report? But definitely rest up to uh, we got a, a lot of mass murders happening. We got 21, or, sorry, 31 people we got to definitely bless up. I'm not gonna name them by put them by, by name, but you all know them. I have done my best to stay away from the the uh, reading or researching or anything like that kind of protect my peace because it is saddening. Uh, so first we got uh, 10 black folks gunned down in, in Buffalo. Um, some of them were, were cogent. Most of them are older, elderly. So you got elderly folks being gunned down by white supremacists the most recently. Uh, and this definitely probably hits more home. So with us now that we have, or now both of us are our parents, right? Uh, a, a, um, man went into a, a elementary school, shot up, uh, and killed twenty one people. I want to say it's like was it two adults and the rest mm-hmm. were kids. You know, so rest up to all those people, man. I don't know what's going on in the world right now. Uh, it's just crazy that you can go in there and just kill some elderly people, go in there and kill some kids. The the most innocent people in the world are not innocent, but in terms of um, I get what you said. The yeah, elderly, the most vulnerable. elderly, most vulnerable. Are elderly and the ch- and our kids, yep. um, and to me that I, I have a soft spot for elderly folks. Uh, I have a soft spot for babies, um, and it is I'm you know and and it's cliche, and I might get into this with a greater conversation, but definitely prayers to those family members um, and those those parents of those kids. I can only imagine uh, you send your kids to school. I send you send uh, your boys to school every day. I send Brooklyn to school every day. And then something happening, um, like I'd be absolutely devastated. So, bless up to the um, to those who were uh, lives were sensibly taken in Buffalo, New York, and Uvalde, Texas. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, I got right. something to bless. Up. I mean, in the great conversation for that too, something a little personal and something definitely along those. I might let you have that. Um, yeah, but yeah, rest up to them. Super, yeah. super sad. Prayers up to those families, to those friends and those loved ones. I mean, it's just on one end, as a, I, I've stayed away from it too, Brian. Mm-hmm. And on one end, you know, as a black person, it's like, dang, I can't go to the grocery store. And then, like, what you like, you like, as you reference as parents, it's like, dang, I don't want to drop my kids off at school. Like, my kids are elementary age. Like, I know, mm-hmm. you know, Brooklyn's in daycare, but daycare, yeah. They, I know for all parents, but like my my elementary because it happened yeah. in elementary school, so it's just like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's just, it's just really, really, really tough. And we both got nieces and nephews and all the things. Oh, yeah. And it's just, you know, I would hate, hate, hate to be getting a phone call, you know what I'm saying, about something so senseless, so something so crazy. And we got friends yes. who work, like my wife works at a school, you know, mm-hmm. the line brother just talked about is a third grade teacher. Like all, mm-hmm. I mean, all the things, bro. So it's hey, just. We, we know too many people that are educators. We know too right. many people that have kids yes, or we yes, have kids. Yes. It's. It hits folks close to home. Yeah. Um, we know folks who are. We have parents and grandparents who go to the go to the grocery store. Like nigga, would you, it's yeah. Like my grandma like, old, but she still is like mobile, and she will randomly. That's why all she goes to is church and like grocery store. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, bro, it's just yeah. <sighs> it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough. It's uh, so bless up, rest up to those to up. those those uh those souls. Rest um, up. To the billboard we go. To the billboard we hop along, nigga. Right. Hop 
to the Lord <laughs> 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 niggas in Bunny city. hop, bunny hop, hop. Oh. Oh. oh, don't do that. Don't summertime do that. Co- summertime's coming up. I love the bunny hop. I love the bunny. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> wait a minute. 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 Yeah. 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 That blesses my spirit. So good. Oh, yep. This is it, Brian. <laughs> Welcome to the summer, y'all. <laughs> I ain't never been to these niggas. They kind of bomb. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what this has to do with the bunny hop, but this is the song, and this is what we did it to. Okay. Making kind of fun, Did y'all do the bunny hop in LA, bro? Mm-mm. Did you know how to do the bunny hop? I don't. Ooh, I gotta teach it to you. You got to. Yeah, I'm a, now I am a line dance king. I ain't worried about jokes and things. My life is a natural high, so come and party hot with me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Southern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Let's bunny hop. We, we, we have to play that and before every billboard. Bunny hop on down to, mm. to, to the billboard. This week in the billboard, we oh. <laughs> I just I just hopped into despair. Will and Jada, Will and Jada, Will sat down with David Letterman during the episode. My next guest needs no introduction. And Will Smith opened up about his rap career and said he hated being called soft because he didn't curse in his song. I mean, what in comparison, Brian? Let's mm-hmm. let's think about it. Right, he was out during the time of the NWA, mm-hmm. um, the emergence of like Tupac and Biggie, and and they was drugs, sex, money. All mm-hmm. the things. I mean, we hear a lot that day, but they was like f the police, killing oh, yeah. niggas straight out of Compton. Like yeah, great stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, the the disc record from Tupac to Biggie was on another level of disrespect. Like them, the kind of rappers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you out here talking about summertime, and it's a <laughs> and it is a black anthem. It is. Right? We love the song. Um, the first Prince Bel-Air theme song is you know classic, and he got a couple mm-hmm. of. And then you know, as you got older, your career, you hit us with the just the two of us, and getting jiggy with it. You know, you didn't even give us the lean with the rock with it. You told us to get jiggy. Get okay, jiggy so, with it. so I mean, so I think it's really kind of ingrained in who you are, Willard. And right. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why you're so upset. But anyway, Smith was further asked um, if he takes any pressure to quit music, to which he said, "Not pressure as much as it was." Uh, always that I was soft. I hate being called soft. Will Smith was um, known to consciously avoid expletives in his music after his grandmother admonished him that he didn't need to use curse words to truly express himself. That sounds like Tyler Perry, because Tyler Perry <laughs> didn't cuss in them plays, and now he's throwing out f bombs. He be and cussing and cussing. He be cussing. Madea <laughs> be cussing. Madea Perry be cussing. You hear me? <laughs> Be cussing, cussing. <laughs> mother, mother Tyler be cussing. Mm, listen. Cussing, 
cussing, cussing. But the Saints, the Saints still watching them, and the Saints still because the Saints be cussing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real gag, right? Hello, 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 hello. But on the other side of the Smith household, speak is talking about the Saints and speaking of tragic and tra- and traumatic households. Jada <laughs> also appeared on the on her show. Uh, I don't want to say the coveted red table talk because I don't know how many people are holding that in their heart. But the Facebook program uh, ain't, ain't that black. Wait a minute. I, I got a lot of side notes. <laughs> Did your grandmother ever call TV program? I need to watch my program. Oh yeah, watch my program. Yeah. Magnum PI, Perry Mason, Matlock, uh, Murder She Wrote. Yeah, Murder. Yeah, we're gonna watch all that stuff. Yeah, Murder She Wrote. Murder She Wrote. Texas Ranger. I feel like everybody Ooh. over a certain age love that white yes. man. Yes, my grandma definitely watched Walking Texas Ranger. <laughs> they love that white man doing karate. In cowboy boots. If you don't <laughs> sit your uncolored butt down. <laughs> but anyway, Jada on Hearts Red Table Talk program got on there and said, uh, she talked about a common thread. She's found her relationship. And she revealed that her biggest wound comes out of her most personal relationship as a lack of protection. I'm going to stop right there. That man got on the world stage and slapped somebody <laughs> for your protection. And you said right. <laughs> that you don't feel protected. And then after the interview said that you didn't need Will Smith protected, you were doing it. So I'm just really confused. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm I don't want to cast doubt on a woman, specifically a black woman's emotions and need to feel mm-hmm. protected, what she feel like her traumatic responses are based on her relationships or her past. However, mm-hmm. what you saying versus your history versus what you said in the past. It, 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 two plus two ain't two ain't four. And I, you know what I'm saying? It ain't, you know. I ain't never been that good at a arithmetic, but your arithmetic ain't ticking. Okay, so I just, you know, I'm just gonna, I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it there. And I'm gonna move on before I get upset. Um, speaking of women who are, you know, '90s icons, I stay in that lane. Little Kim, Kim, the notorious K.I.M., the original Queen B, is coming to the big screen, and this time not as a supporting actress in a biggie film. Little Kim, mm-hmm. also known as the Queen B, it says she has a biopic. Is it biopic or is it biopic? I say biopic. I, it depends on how I'm feeling. I feel if I want to be, I want to give it a chef's kiss, I might say biopic. It makes me feel <laughs> like I'm a little bit more educated. <laughs> <laughs> a little classy. A little classy, you know what I'm saying? You know, a little bourgeoisie, even. Um, but look here, confirmed that her biopic is in the world. Is it going to be on Lifetime? She said, while well, there is uh, no news yet on who will play it. It's going to be on now, uh, BT so, Plus. So, so wait a minute. Notori Norton was already killed. <laughs> And, and she did a good job. And she did a good and job. And Kim didn't like it. And Kim, Kim didn't like it. Kim said she didn't like it because Notori didn't reach out to her. Girl. Okay. But she killed it. She did a great job. And she ain't no queens no more. She ain't got power no more. So the Queen woman is got free. Canceled. Queens Listen, needed to be canceled. It did. Queens it needed did. to be. It was, queens, it was terrible. It should have been called the terrible. Duchess. Because that's how lowbrow it was. The Lord it, is. <laughs> it was terrible. That was a terrible show. It was so bad. It was a terrible show. <laughs> But so yeah, bad. bring the Tory back. She do. She did a great bring Kim. Bad. And who? But like speaking of who else would play Kim? Who like out, unless there's some actors we don't know. Who's yeah. Out because the Tory, not on. You know what I'm saying? Like she can rap. At least she had. Like, I don't know. If she's writing, but she mm-hmm. got. She has like the rhythm and the flow, mm-hmm. so she can do it. And like you, and she's a pretty decent actress. And yes. she already did it, right? So like, yes. Who else is out there? I don't know. It would have to be either somebody unknown. Um. 
But knowing Lil' Kim, she'll probably do something stupid to try to like cast yeah, Cardi like B. Tiana, to Cardi B, Tiana <laughs> Taylor, uh, Kiki Palmer. She'll probably pull, try to pull somebody who's already yeah. like famous and be like, but no, like Natari did the thing. Now, wait a minute. Now, I ain't mad at Kiki though. <laughs> I'm not mad at Kiki. I'm, I'm not, not mad at Tiana Taylor either. Wait, I'm, I'm mad at Tiana Taylor. I'm not mad. I think Tiana can do it. I think uh, acting wise, but I don't think it's a good fit. <sighs> I, she's, I, I would mean, give... like a, a physically, she's she gives me nothing, Little Kim. Not not early Little Kim, but this new Little Kim face. Well, maybe, Tiana. but even Kim's still, not. new Little Kim also got all the legs and hips and, and, and body body. body. <laughs> 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 we gotta name this episode Legs Up and Body Body. Um, but Tiana is like very fit and must, you know, you know, she's like super tall. True. Just, and true. she's tall, at least from pictures, mm-hmm. she looks tall. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Tiana probably Tiana Taylor probably could do it, but I, mm, I I'm not mad at Kiki though. You said Kiki Palmer. I'm not mad at Kiki I'm Palmer. I'm never mad at Kiki Palmer. I'm, I'm not mad I'm a at huge Kiki, fan of Kiki Palmer. Palmer. That's a ooh, bro. That was good. You threw out a good one. And and, and watch it happen, because everything we say on this show happens. I'm not on we we prophesying on here. I'm telling you, we are the save Black Simpsons. <laughs> Y'all send send some send us a love gift, and we can we we'll give hey. you a prophecy. <laughs> I I bottle up this water I'm drinking and send it to y'all. <laughs> and you just my Peter pop off water. My miracle spring water. Ooh, that's the only the only, only black people on that on that thing. They only use black people on there. Appropriation. Look at it. Racism. Okay. Mm. Prejudices. Hello. Anyway, would you are you go so if it goes to the big screen, would you pay to go watch it? Yes. If it goes to the big screen, I feel like they would put money behind it. Um Did Biggie have a movie in the big screen? Was that he movie? Did. Yeah, that movie was the one with um um Natari was on the it was there went to Yeah, it was right? big screen. Okay. I I saw it in the theaters. Yeah, I believe I I did the too. And did Tupac wow. have a I know Tupac had a lot of documents. He, he, he had one, he had one in the one theater. In the, Oh. Yeah, and it wasn't that good. He was one that yeah. it wasn't. It was good. that dude who looked yeah, a the lot dude that like kind of looked like him, but didn't act well. Yeah, and it just the script was wasn't whack. He the same dude who played in uh, Straight Outta Compton too. Then they, they, they reprised him for that. Mm, no, they played that. They brought somebody else for Straight Outta Compton. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that Tupac movie was terrible, and it ended it randomly with freaking Marvin Sapp, like. I remember that. Perfect Never would have made it. perfect piece of something. Perfect like, like why can't Big uh, about get good movies? Like, do better, y'all. I will keep you in. Well, you know what, bro? Uh, yeah, what's up? It took everything in me not to finish that. Peace. Thank you, Lord. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's one of that's one of my fondest memories of Cathedral of Faith. And it oh, takes, art. It takes me. Art can sing perfect piece. If he don't sing nothing else, he sings perfect piece. He's a he's a balladeur. What did he say? What did he tell y'all? A balladeer. That's what he got to say. A balladeer. Okay. Shout out to Chris Moore. Get it right, honey. Uh, um, what's about to, let's move on. Walmart. You know, Juneteenth is coming. Juneteenth is coming up, and Walmart always is kind of messing up a little bit. And they attempted to commemorate Juneteenth with a new ice cream flavor. Uh, the, the, the Juneteenth Great Value Label Edition was going to be a mix, I think, of vanilla and um, bread velvet, red velvet and cheesecake. Red velvet, yeah. like what? What? 
<laughs> First of all, all, I don't even like red velvet cake. It ain't nothing but fancy chocolate cake. <laughs> That's all it is. You think all niggas eat red velvet just because they serve it at the pick down to the Piccadilly. Don't mean all niggas like red velvet cake. Right. And most of y'all grandma making nasty red velvet cake anyway. So don't be putting that in no ice cream. Now, I know a lot of black folk like red velvet cake. My son, who is a young aspiring My wife loves premier nigga, loves red velvet mm-hmm. cake. Jaden? <laughs> Jaden loves her red Jayden, velvet cake. Jaden. Jaden. You said young aspiring premier nigga. <laughs> I can only do one. <laughs> he loves red velvet cake. Josh is not a huge sweet eater. Kind of like me. I only eat it if my grandma's baking. For real, for real. Um, mm-hmm. Jaden loves sweets. And, you know, but anyway, that was going to be the flavor. Um, and so now, you know, social media put them on blast, put them out there, told them that it was wrong, ABC 1, 2, and 3. And now they're apologizing, you know, for their celebration edition. Um, so Walmart, you know, like any other company, they're trying to capitalize off the day. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work well, Brian. I'm gonna ask you this though: Were you yeah. gonna get a canister of the red velvet nigga ice cream? I would not, but it probably <laughs> could have been busting though. It might have been good, <laughs> but I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy it. No, I'm not buying anything. And that was a great value label. You didn't even partner with him. Right, let Ben and Jerry's do that because they already Ben and the, Jerry's. They already advocate. They already yeah. got our homeboys from Black and Bold Coffee collaborations. Like, let them do that. Yeah, if 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 Ben and Jerry's did it, I would I would buy it. I would support Ben and Jerry's because Ben they, and Jerry's like is already a loud ally and accomplice to the black community. So yep, it it would it wouldn't hurt, shock me, or surprise me if they did, and I probably would have supported it even if I didn't like the flavor. Just right. would have bought some just because. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's Wally World being Wally World. Um, U.S. Soccer. This uh, this is almost a Josh Rogers athletic abbreviation, but we ain't gonna it is. sing the song. The U.S. Women's National. Soccer team has reached a proposed settlement in a class action for equal pay. Um, they are pleased to announce that contingent on the negotiation of a new collective bargaining agreement, we have now resolved our long-standing dispute over equal pay and proudly stand together in a shared commitment to advancing equality in soccer. Both parties released in a joint statement. The U.S. soccer women's soccer team won the World Cup in 91, 99. Shout out to the 99 in 2000, 2000, mm-hmm. 2015, 2019 and took home gold medals. 96-04. 2008, 2012, whereas the men has never won a World Cup. <laughs> and their last bedazzled medal was in the 1904. 19 <laughs> right after slavery. And Summer Olympic Games. Right after so right there with um what's his name? Bishop Mason starting the coach of Church of God Christ. Well, ooh, Ishkatow. Not him. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about him over yonder in the hospital. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> Bishop Mason. I was thinking about the Hitler. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the last time they won. <laughs> last time the U.S. team won. My God, when Hitler was over here causing havoc and wreaking havoc and was, you know, doing all his racist stuff in the Berlin game. Was that the Berlin game? Let me see when the Ber- when the game was. Berlin, I think, was ni- 1936, if I'm well, not mistaken. I'm a long way ahead. He was alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Point mm. is, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Last time they won. There you go, there you go. Y'all they gonna catch me slipping on my history facts. Anyway, <laughs> Candy Berries. We've been talking about y'all episode love. <laughs> and you have made it <laughs> to, to the billboard. Uh there's an old saying that goes, always bet on yourself, then double down on it. Candy Burris recently made it clear that she's gonna do just that. Although Candy and the other ladies of the infamous or mm. famous or infamous <laughs> <laughs> are People know Escape. <laughs> Already hit the stage for a hit-to-hit battle against SWV, Sisters with Voices. 
She and got mopped. Candy Cole, or got, I mean, Molly Wopped. They joined Andy Cohen and Lil Jon, Lil Jon, Candy did in a discussion. Oh, oh, that show, Andy Cohen, that was on Watch What Happens Live right after the Housewives. Yeah. In a discussion mm-hmm. about possibly going up against, okay. So I didn't read this before we got online. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you could have warned me about next him somebody body. <laughs> okay. Okay. They went up. They, they She talked about going up against... Matthew Knowles group. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. his child. Yeah. In a game called What Do You Respect? Andy presented Kim and LeJohn with a host of superstar parents and inquired about who they think they would win a battle of discographies against them. When posed the question of Destiny Child versus Escape, Candy only had a few words to say. We the OGs. Um, Wild Child, LeJohn exclaimed, Escape, Escape, Escape. LeJohn was clearly on drugs. <laughs> Because there's that. no way. There's no way. Writings on the wall would kill their entire discography. Yeah. And that's when Latavia was still in the group. <laughs> Latavia. <laughs> when was Fair in the group? What, what album was that? We, she wasn't on an album. <laughs> she literally was in the video. She appeared in the Say My Name video with Michelle, and we never saw her again because her what? luggage was then flown away. <laughs> we, can send it, we can send it to you. <laughs> How do you ruin that bag, man? How do you? How do you? Because look at. Because say what you want to say about Michelle Williams. Look what it did to Michelle Williams. Yeah. She went from singing "Back Up" for Monica to being in freaking Destiny Child mm-hmm. and winning multiple Grammys, Grammys, stage plays, acting. Mm-hmm. She got her yeah. own like housing, like candle and bed set line. Like Michelle is out here killing it. You yeah. know, a successful, pretty successful gospel career. Um, like she, yeah. she killing it. You know what I'm saying? And Farah could have had a, a modicum of that success, I'm sure. And yeah, and you could have been Latoya going. You could have been success, a possible you know? Latoya, and even Latavia in a sense. She was the mm-hmm. army divas of Atlanta, whatever that's worth. But at the end, of- <laughs> right? Shit is. <laughs> <laughs> the way you whisper, she's army diva. I mean, because I mean, because everybody has had like a really everybody who was officially associated had a really good post Destiny Child mm-hmm. run, you know. But I will to the type is credit. We ain't gonna we ain't gonna shade her too much. She has writing credits. She does. She's forever paid. She was a part of the original group. Um, her and Beyonce mm-hmm. are on good terms. We saw that when she went to one yep. of Beyonce concert tours. So she could possibly be in a reunion somewhere. Whereas, oh, yeah. oh uh, Farah, Farah, mm-hmm. ain't going to be where no. Are you? Where are you? Where are you? Somewhere. probably still trying to find that luggage at Baggage Claim today. <laughs> listen. Uh, listen, looking for her while my luggage. But Destiny's Child and Escape, <laughs> bro, you couldn't even be SWV. At all. SWV no, are not my at girls. All. But SWV also yeah. does not have an extensive discography. That's the, I think no, we not, talked about no. this before. We talked about this when we proposed it should have been an Escape, SWV, and maybe like a total seven. It should have been three of them, honestly. Yeah. Because ain't nobody yeah. really. And, and Lost the Keys, I might get hit. I might get beat up for this. But I stand on this heel, not the same one as Terry Crews, even though he apologized. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I stand on the hill that TLC ain't got a whole, ain't got twenty hits either. Oh yeah, no, not not twenty. Hits, no. They I, were a massive no. group, 
but they don't have 20 hits. Mm-mm. They got 20 probably. No. They got 20 songs for sure. And they yeah, had like hits, maybe no. seven or eight really huge ones, but not 20. Boom, boom, boom. Now, TLC fans will argue with me and say, yes, they do. Now, I'm not saying they ain't got 20 good songs, but we always right. think, get into this debate about what a hit is. Yeah. But anyway, I but I also, but if we're going to do Destiny Child, TLC is really the only group. Mm-hmm. The real, I mean, they're in two different kind of eras because as this as right. TLC was fading out, Destiny Child was 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 yeah. kind of starting and rising. Destiny Child came in with it, with a came in hard and came just, in, what was it ninety six ish? It Bill was Bill in Bill? the late late nineties. They came the first came in with no 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 no, no was the first one. Yes. The remix, yeah. This <coughs> that first no 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 was not. No, no, no. The remix was what Wyclef did them a favor. Thank mm-hmm. you, Wyclef, because they probably would have flamed out. Um, that was good. Then they, they had Bills, Bills, Bills. They had um, Bugaboo. They had some <laughs> some some good songs, Girl. and then they kept going. Mm-hmm. Survivor. They had uh, Survivor. Mm-hmm. That's the um, ind- independent women. Survivor is uh, the infamous song that uh, Whitney Houston sang during her acceptance speech. Oh. <laughs> I'm a survivor. Survivor. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, crack! Oh, rest in peace, Nippy. But yes, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to Wikipedia real quick. Uh, <clears> after throat> years throat> of, after years of limited success, as Girls Time, the quartet became 1997 is when they were signed to Columbia. So yes, you're right. Okay. Late 90s, and that's when. Let me see when No Scrubs came out. No Scrubs. This is why we need an assistant. Mm-hmm. I don't want no scrub. No, scrub came out ninety nine. So, so yeah. So so there it, it did come out ninety nine. You're right. So again, as they were kind of on their last, because no scrub was their last like big hit, right? Yeah, yeah. So as they were on their last big album, um, Destiny Child was 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 rising up and you know really <clears> coming <throat> up to become the superstars that they are. Uh, but I will say, if we go. Even though Destiny Child, because Beyonce ain't going down to no verses. But if they actually did it, TLC is the only group. And Destiny Child was still watching them. Um, yeah. Because, because again, we also know the rules of verses, Brian. You mm-hmm. can tap into them solo bags. You sure can. And and when you got Beyonce, that's Big Joker. That's Big Joker, yeah. Lil Joker. That's yeah. all the Jokers. Yeah. Kelly and got even- some, Kelly got motivation. Kelly got songs. <laughs> Kelly even got, even the one song she has with Nelly is a, is a song. Oh! Yeah. Yes. That's a hit. Like, oh, yes. Yes. Oh, when Jesus say yes, yes. is a song. I was about to say that. It's grammatically incorrect. But when Jesus say yes, nobody Listen. can say no. Yeah. And it had Beyonce and Kelly <clears throat> on the door. So. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah. That 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 would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What was. What was. What. And you go? Are you gonna play legs, hips, and body, body? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, granted, we we, we got to be fair. Candy does they, have and, some songwriting credits, but it's not. not say, but you had to play no scrubs doing your verses with SWV. Yeah. Just to make up, you know what I'm saying? Just to like, just to make up songs. Destiny Child would like, even if they they. Here's the thing: they wouldn't even have to touch their solo bags. No. Nah. They could Destiny legit Child got just it. play Destiny Child songs. Soldier. Yeah. Like we we forgetting so many other songs, bro. That's his child is cater to you. Oh, I forgot about cater to you. That is, but I ain't gonna let me. Michelle Williams. 
the best verse on that song. Mm. Do the good, the bad, the, bad, the ups the and up the in the down. It's so good. That's the I, least I, I can do. <laughs> I like Michelle's um, on Where Are You Now? Now That I'm Here. Uh-huh. She she goes on that song. She's, she's you know, I've always ocean. been a Michelle Williams fan. She sings yeah. down to me. She does have a unique voice. Mm-hmm. And I can see how some people may be like, eh, I love Michelle though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love Michelle. She sings down to me. Mm-hmm. I love Michelle vocally the same way that I love Christopher Maurice vocally. Okay, okay so I just went on <laughs> on Instagram, not Instagram, okay. on Wikipedia, and they were the op- Destiny's Child was the opening act for SWV in 96. It makes sense. Yeah. Look how but the tables the- turn. Crazy. It makes I mean, bro, think about it. The magazines at one point thought that Ashanti was going to be the big, bigger artist over Beyonce. When she, when she went solo, wild, and think and that, but at the time though, Ashanti wasn't nobody singer, but Ashanti ran that like urban R and B market. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, it, her, and crazy in love, everything. crazy in love was a song, but Ashanti was at the like she was still at the height, but she just couldn't. She fizzled out, and yeah. Beyonce. This kept, is wild. I'm looking. <laughs> this is crazy. Look, listen to this. They were opening act for SWV '96. Boys to Men in ninety eight, TLC in ninety nine. I am immature. I am X in two thousand. What in the world was going on there? I am X in two thousand. Open for I am X in two thousand. What in the world? Then they opened up for Christina Aguilera in two thousand, and then yeah. Britney Spears in two thousand. And make they were the opening act for those folks because they came out in wow. ninety seven. So that's their first three years. Yeah. So it it makes. A lot of sense. <clears throat> yeah, and then they and then they just took over the world. Because by two thousand, let's see here, two thousand is when Survivor. Mm, oh yeah, Survivor. That's when it was. So at that point, they were you know they were their own headliners. Yeah, Survivor. That's when they were mainstream. Mm-hmm. Because I Not also just see in two thousand they did Charlie's Angels. Yep. Um, yeah, all mainstream. that kind of stuff. Yep. They they was mm-hmm. legit mainstream. Um. Whew, with the, wow. And we we said it here first. We said the Destiny Child is going to come out with one. They're going to drop a random album on us. Oh, yeah. And they're going on tour. Because Michelle been quiet. Kelly just did some work with Tank. Um, but she's been really, And Beyonce, Beyonce's working on something. I can just mm-hmm. feel it. She's working on something. And I feel like at her big age of 40 now, mm-hmm. she's going to give us. I feel like she's going to give us. She's going to give us a Destiny's Child album before she hangs it all up. I just feel it's like necessary. it's gonna happen. I feel we like it's it. gonna happen. And we've been seeing it too much. Super Bowl, Coachella, all the different types of things. So <clears throat> it's time. DS3 needs to come back. Yes. It's time. DC3. Yeah. DC3 needs to come back. Uh DC3 needs to come back. Give us a world tour. I will be there. I'm going to a Destiny Child concert. I'm going. With my Hoochie Daddy shorts. Listen, I'm going. And we I'm, don't even need no headliners. You can just give us, let Michelle open it up. To give us a good Kelly set. Yep. Then let Destiny Child give us a good set. And then just Beyonce, just five hours of music. That's just that's music. a five hour concert right there. Just music. Just them three. Just music. Yeah, almost be like a run the world tour. Let everybody just kind of come and do their own thing. And mm-hmm. or like the Clock Sisters. <laughs> I'm saying they open, they always open up together. They do a few <laughs> songs. Mm-hmm. All four of them do, do like an individual, like okay. one or two. And then they come back and end it together. Like they like the yeah. Clark Sisters concerts I've been to, 
it's usually been like one opener just to kind of waste time. But once mm-hmm. they hit the stage, they they got nigga, they got 40 years of music. And then yeah, another 20 years of solo music. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, although the DC3 is way bigger, but I'm saying in, in like in that same respect, to your point, we don't need nobody. No. Nah. Get like DJ Khaled to go on tour with you, get the yeah. crowd hype, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and then turn the boom, lights off. Kelly, and boom, then... Michelle, Beyonce, the everybody. And then bring out all the bring out all the features. Jay-Z and Nelly and everybody. Bring out everybody. Lil Wayne and because Michelle also had a gospel song with uh what was the other song? It was a slower song. But Fantasia was the feature. So it's just like you got features. I'll pay the money for that. I'll pay the money. Bro, it's features everywhere. Oh yeah, and then like Soldier had Lil Wayne and T.I. Like it's just yeah. It's like they they got and if they do a new album, bro, Drake, put a Nicky feature on there. Do a lotto feature. Give us Gucci Mane and Destiny's Child. Give us something. Bruno Mars and Destiny's Child. <laughs> Anderson Pocket. Silk Sonic and Destiny. No, thank you. Not, we the world the world can't handle it Silk Sonic and Destiny's Child. Down. Did you see their chemistry at the Super Bowl? I saw Beyonce it. and Bruno. And yeah, the Coldplay was just there. Cause no one, I because I didn't even realize that that was his. <laughs> That was him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting excited. I'm getting hyped. But it's, it's happening. Those though. are the features we want. I want. Okay, bro. Let's, let's go through this real quick. I want okay. Nikki, Lotto, Gucci. That's just the ratchet side of me. I want a future. I want Drake and I want Six on it. Mm. Ooh, and Tim's. Ooh. Um, it's going to sound weird and it's probably going to come sound weird coming from me. Okay. I want them to give us one good gospel song with Kurt Franklin. Oh, that's not gonna sound weird. Do you have you seen what Kirk has done in the last five years with Lil Baby? He just popped up on the LMA. He was on Color and Book with uh with Chance. Bro, it'll be a yeah. it'll be a song. Cause Kelly, Beyonce, and Michelle are not above doing gospel songs. Yeah, they have one on one of their albums. They did a whole yeah. total praise. Yeah. So <laughs> I would want to see Kirk on that album. On the mm. Destiny Shop reunion album. Mm-hmm. Give me Kirk. We that would a, that would go stupid. We need a Twitter account just to make just to start throwing that out there. Uh, and oh, Meg got to be on there because she's the oh, whole Houston thing. Me one. Give me Trade of Truth. Give me Bun B. I, I I would love Bun B on a Destiny Child song. Oh, you made me think about something. What? So remember, I just said Nikki Lotto. You said me. Mm-hmm. Remember in the past, we've talked about a ladies' night, two thousand. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Destiny Child singing the hook and the the hook and the chorus, and you and got then Beyonce all these, giving us a verse. Beyonce giving us a verse. Get, let's shoot. Let's let's test them all out. Give us a verse, and then add like some other women rappers in there. That would be so cute, though, to have Michelle rapping. It That'd would, so and let Jay Z write their verses. Oh uh, yeah. Or even oh, you know they, what? I must whisper this. Or even let Kanye write one of their verses because he's crazy. But <laughs> that nigga can write. He can still write because that I was listening to my Apple Music uh, radio station, and when a Dundo song came. I didn't know he sampled. Um, that thing by Lauren Hill. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't look he at did. it. He did. And bro, is that that thing kept playing? I was like, and I looked at it. It's the beach. And I said, this ain't Lauren Hill. And it was off Donda. And I let it play. And Brian. It was so good. Was so good. So, I'm still don't mess with Kanye, <laughs> I, but. I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go play that later <laughs> on. Let me go find it, though. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know the name of the song. But I promise you, bro, you. Oh, my gosh. Will enjoy. That's the That's my problem with Kanye. He's so good. I love his music. But he's just so problematic. Oh. 
Yeah. Okay. That wraps up the bill. That wraps up the billboard. Um, today we have a guest who's coming to the living room with us. Um, as you everybody knows that the uh, the Jigsaw Podcast is a we are advocates for mental health and wellness. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're trying to find us. <laughs> it's okay. We are advocates for mental health and wellness. Um, we are. Uh, and May was Mental Health Awareness Month, but also what you may not have known is that May is also Foster Care. Awareness Month, and we have a gentleman who's coming to the living room, Dr. Royale Johnson. I love that. That's another strong black name. Dr. That's Royale a good Johnson. strong black name. You're a Johnson, associate professor at USC. Um, just a solid, very accomplished. I'm, we, we're going to let him introduce himself, but he's coming to the living room to give us some in-depth conversation about um, the foster care system, how we navigate that, raising children as a village and a community. Um, it's going to be really, 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 really dope. So go grab your snacks, grab your drinks, grab all of your things, meet us down to the living room, and let's have this dope yes. conversation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around for one of the greatest parts of the show is the living room session. And mm-hmm. as we told y'all, we teased y'all earlier, we do have an amazing guest, a very special guest to the living room to hang out with us for a quick second for a brief conversation. We got Dr. Royal Johnson in the living room with us. And before we go any further, Dr. I don't know if you want to call us Dr. Royale, whatever it is, but please. Royale is all good, man. <laughs> Royale, introduce Listen, yourself. You, you earned them letters. We're going to call you Dr. if you want us to call you Dr. appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, uh, please introduce yourself to those that don't already know you. For sure. Uh, so happy to be here and be in community with you all. Dr. Royale Johnson, uh, Associate Professor of Higher Education and Social Work. I uh, just joined the faculty at USC in Thank January. You. Prior to, I was a professor at Penn State for the last four years. All right. Wonderful. Okay. Well, definitely glad to have you here at the, at the, uh, on the podcast. Uh, shouts out to USC. I'm a big fan of USC from Southern California. That was like my football school. So I didn't go there, but you know, we rooted for USC. Yeah, fight, on, man. fight on. That was like our only real <laughs> football team for the longest time. Uh, so shouts out to USC, shout out to, um, the football program there. So, uh, we're going to get into culture code. This is a thing that we do at the beginning of the show. where We kind of mm. use this as a barometer uh, to kind of judge our guests on, on who they are and what they like. <laughs> so your Uh-oh. answers will be judged okay. accordingly. Okay. So let's get into it real quickly. And we're going to do this or that. Okay. This or that. We're going to start easy and then it, it may or may not work its way up to uh, okay. a little harder. So we're going to start with movies. Okay. Real simple. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, coming to America or Boomerang? Oh, that's a boomerang. Good one, right? Easy. Boomerang. E- e- hold on. You say, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Boomerang this is, easy. This is going said, great for me. All right. <laughs> if you said boomerang and you just kept it at that, I'd be like, all right, cool. You said boomerang easy. Okay. Boomerang is so funny, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> easy. <laughs> all right. Another movie. Let's do um, The Temptations movie or The Five Heartbeats. Five Heartbeats. That's yes, That's it doesn't the, take the soundtrack, the music. I grew up thinking that it was a real story about the five heartbeats, a group that I had never heard of. So yeah. definitely five heartbeats. I get mm-hmm. it. All right. One last one about two for two for me, Brian. Two for two. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with I'm okay with five heartbeats. I'm okay with that. Uh even though you know, I'm about to say uh five heartbeats has 
more quotables you have been Nice like this. You, it's 500. Exactly. You don't get that in some Show me your best combo. What are my <laughs> office hours? My, my office hours are between. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing. All right. So, all right. So, let's do Angela Bassett or Viola Davis. Ooh, muscles of snot. <laughs> I got to go with the OG, Angela Bassett. Solid. I, I Solid. feel like she don't get enough credit, man. I think Viola is amazing, and she's getting all her due respect mm-hmm. right now. But we, we owe some flowers to Angela for sure. Oh, Tina Turner God. alone should have been an Oscar. Listen, know? the way she ran out of that car across all the across lanes that the highway. <laughs> have you have you seen that Las Vegas Strip? That was a lot of lanes, <laughs> <laughs> and she did it. And she got there and, you know, made it out. And Lawrence Fishburne's, uh, you know, I take on, on Ike. I, mean, I thought he was Ike growing up as a kid. <laughs> he played that role so, so good. I thought he was Ike, man. Oh, it's so classic. It's so classic. All right, let's do. Let's go to, let's go to move, I mean, music, okay? Mama's Gun or The Miseducation of Lauren Hill? Mama's Gun is Erica Badu, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Okay. Classic. Okay. It's, and that's that's a toss-up. That's a toss-up yeah. there. All right. 90s R&B or 90s hip-hop? 90s R&B. Okay. I prefer Solid. 80s hip-hop and rap. Really? Okay. Yeah. I grew up listening to a lot of Easy e Too Short as a kid, burning CDs, selling them in, in, in school. I love 80s rap, hip-hop, but 90s R&B is classic. So since you brought it up, all right. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> since we're this. here, since we're here, okay. <laughs> what is your top five? Doesn't that have to be, you know, who you think the top five is? Who is your in your top five? Yes, your top five rappers. Biggie Small is, is number one for sure. I grew up lying to folks saying that I was from Brooklyn, Bed Stuy, because I wanted to. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Chicago, and so the things that he was rapping about were similar to the things that I was seeing and observing. So he registered with me in a particular way. Uh, Biggie, Jay, Kanye. Um, that's the that, that's the that's the big four. Um, I, I kind of want to be controversial on this one. Oh, let's okay. do it. We love controversy here. I'm gonna put Nikki in, in that five. That's your Josh's best friend now. You are Josh's best friend forever. <laughs> I think part of the challenge Nikki experiences is, is that she the substance of her raps are not always there with some of the ones who I named, but yeah. metaphor, skill, technique. I mean, I'm a star. Nikki doesn't get enough credit. Sheriff badge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki does it. You know, she does Brian. I feel like I have a I home. mean, I could have said Drake, Nas. I could have said some other big folks, but I, I wanted to prioritize Nikki because uh, I, I don't yeah, no, feel like no. she gets credit as a rapper. So let it's me okay. ask you this. As a, as a fellow, I, I call myself Barbara Jason. Okay, because <laughs> um, I don't because I'm, I'm not attacking people. I'm not doing any of that kind of stuff. What's your favorite Nicki song? Um, I would say the my favorite feature from Nicki is okay. Monster. Of course, it's the it's the hardest Solid. bars. It, honestly, that that's like top ten mm-hmm. alone versus. But maybe favorite song moment for life. Okay, I'm not mad at that. Four Door Venador is. A nice B-side classic of mine. Okay, I, yeah. I love to pull out the hat. Brian's looking like I don't know. I respect Nikki for all she does. 
I just, she's just, you know, I doesn't, doesn't do it for me Got personally. It. Got it. But I respect her for all that she does. I like rappers and Nikki can rap, man. She and, can rap. And I she doesn't rap. get enough credit as a rapper. She definitely she raps. She's a credit as a style, pop icon, cultural figure in that way, but Nikki is a rapper. She can and, definitely go. Yeah. She can definitely go. I would take nothing away from Nicki mm-hmm. Minaj, the queen of hip hop. <laughs> Yeah, she is. She's yeah. the queen of hip hop. Uh, I just wish you would stay off Queen Radio. That's it. That's Queen, my, <laughs> queen Radio that's is so concern. entertaining. It is entertaining. I've listened a couple times. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is entertaining, if nothing else. All right. So, yeah. based off of that, I think you passed our culture code. I don't think you're being judged harshly. <laughs> I think by saying Nicki Minaj and putting her in your top five. I think Josh probably would rather just stop the show here and yeah, uh, we, we, you know, he's a friend of the show, but now he's a friend in real life. <laughs> a friend in real life. All right, so, uh, Doctor Johnson, uh, yes. sorry, Royale. Okay, if we were to strip away your PhD, strip away your title as a social professor of higher education and social work, right, from USC, who yep. are you? Outside yeah. of all those things, who are you? That's a super dope question, man. I feel like that's a question I'm working through with my therapist right now on a weekly basis. I feel like when you are developing your sort of professional persona and identity and you're working hard to arrive at a particular status, um, folks don't get to experience the breadth of who you are um, because of this sort of narrow um, persona that you're expected to, how you're sort of expected to show up. Um, Mm. And I'm always surprised when people get to know me personally and they're like, you know, I, I didn't know you were so funny. I know you were so silly. I didn't know you, you know, you like music in this particular way. And, mm-hmm. and it's always curious to me that for whatever reason, I've been socialized to keep my personal life sort of separate from my professional identity. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've been working harder to integrate those and to allow who I am and as a person and who I am is a, a Taco Tuesday connoisseur, mm. uh, a happy hour uh, fanatic, uh, a R&B concert lover, uh, a festival lover, all of those things that you don't necessarily get to experience when you see me speaking, when you see me writing in publications, when you see me on these sort of opportunities and platforms. Uh, so I'm growing increasingly comfortable uh, being the, the, the operating in the fullness of myself despite the sort of spaces uh, that otherwise tell us that we have to sort of present this narrow professional identity. All right. And I, I like Royale because you're literally like just me, <laughs> like all the things you mentioned. We, do we need yeah. a third person on the podcast, Joshua? Cause clearly he fits in. I'm okay with that. And you know what? And that's so, that's so good because often on this podcast, we yep. always say that duality, duality is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I can be educated, you know, I can be professional and still like my chicken wings, fried hard with lemon pepper sprinkles on top, oh, right? I sure. can do all the things, right? Yeah. And I don't and I don't have to choose, you know, which one takes precedence because I am all, those all of those things, right? Yeah. So let's lean into, you know, a little bit about who you are personally. You're from Chicago, Illinois. Yep. Shout out to the shy. Shout out. Not Summer a shout out shy. to the show because that show Ooh. has a it lacks continuity. You know, but I have you, never watched that show. Don't waste so, your time. Season one is amazing. Season one is great. Got and it. then Lena Waithe, I think, somehow got out of the bag a little bit. 
Because the storylines just didn't. We, we're not. We're, yeah. about, we're not talking about the shot. No. Uh, but however, uh, we all we do know that Chicago comes up. You know, anytime that there's, you know, unfortunately, anytime. we've seen quite a few um, mass shootings just this last couple of weeks alone. And people always go, "What about Chicago? And what about black on black crime?" Right? right? Do you think that this that that narrative is warranted being a native, or do you think Chicago just gets a bad rap? You know, I don't see Chicago as any more dangerous than any other large city that I visit and frequent. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the, the there is a concentration of violence that happens in particular communities and areas, right? West side, Chica- uh, west side of Chicago, south side of Chicago, from the west yep. side. And if you Google right now, most dangerous cities in the U.S., Chicago is like mid in that list. It's not top in that Mm-mm. list. Now, when you Google like ter- uh, particular types of crimes and homicides and so forth, Chicago rises to the top. But I see those as symptoms of larger issues. So if you want to talk to me about violence in Chicago, I want to talk about like poor public policies mm. and governance and leadership in the city. You know, Chicago is historically known for failed and corrupt leaders, and that has influence on the kinds of policies that are shepherded for marginalized communities. When you look at the communities in which violence is concentrated, they're the most uneducated communities, they're the most underemployed, they're the most um, you know, so, uh, poor, low income, socioeconomic yeah. issues, right? All of those are correlates of violence. So I, I just think it's an incomplete conversation or a very narrow um, perspective about the issues in Chicago. But yeah, I don't see Chicago as any more dangerous than when I'm in Detroit or when I'm in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, uh, or New York. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I do think the media sort of plays into that a bit. Yeah, without a doubt. And that bothers me. And I'm not from Chicago. I have no, you know, dog in that fight, but that really just bothers me. Anytime anything happens, but what about Chicago? And it's like, yeah, there's, like you said to your earlier point, it's not even on the top of the list of most dangerous cities in the world, but it's always considered, always brought up anytime, always. you know, any type of political uh, reason. All right. So you're from Chicago. Yep. Um, reading some of your your background, some of your history uh, and this episode is really about foster care awareness. So let's let's kind of discuss your foster care journey. Uh, what is what was that like? What was your journey like in, in, in I guess in foster care? Yeah. So I was never technically in the system. Right. Okay. I benefited from what we talk about as kinship care. Mm-hmm. And many of us are familiar with it because we know aunties, uncles, grandmas, uncles who stepped in and took care of a, a child, a cousin in lieu of a parent who was unable to, to do so. And so mm-hmm. typically that is a, a strategy for preventing formal intervention by a social worker uh, or the state foster care system. And so I benefited from that. I had aunts who during a time in which my mom struggled with substance abuse, who took care of me, who made sure I got to school, made sure I had meals, who made sure, you know, I did my homework and so forth. Um, that's a form of foster care that we don't talk about. But generally, we know that the foster care system is designed to, um, you know, be a sort of protective intervention mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. folks, kids and families who've experienced abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. Now, there are lots of concerns and we can talk about that as well. You know, part of their racial disparities and who mm-hmm. um, who gets placed in foster care, in part because social workers make the determination of which families are fit. To, to have their kids and, you mm-hmm. know, what issues of safety uh, and, and concern are most paramount. We see disparities across uh, racial ethnic groups, whites in, in comparison to blacks. 
so it's not that black families are more likely to you know put their kids in harm's way. It's that social workers sometimes are more likely to make determinations about the risk that black kids have at home with black parents versus white parents. That was a lot. No, no, no. no. That That's really, really good. Um, because my wife is a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a school social worker now, but she started off with DFACS, you know, Georgia Department of Family and Children's Services and stuff. And I saw firsthand, right, some of the things that she had to deal with when she had to make, you know, some of these DFACS reports. And unfortunately, a few of the children were taken away from the home. Yeah. Um, understanding what you know now about the foster care system and, you know, how social workers are kind of in charge of placement in some of those spaces, did that contribute? To you going into that, you know, did your upbringing contribute you going and pursuing social work as a career and, you know, as an educational path or how, how did you decide to become a social worker? Yeah. So no, my, my primary training is in education um, okay. because my work lend itself to issues uh, related to social work uh, and carcerality or criminal justice. I've been able to have appointments in additional sort of fields. So at Penn State, I had an appointment in African-American studies here. I have an appointment in social work as a secondary appointment. Uh, but those experiences certainly influence the work that I do, the profession that I'm in now. Not in, you know, I, I want to be a lawyer. You know, when you grow up in low income, under resourced communities, you grow up thinking that you need to, you know, a- achieve this high status career lawyer, doctor, high paying job. And that's the sort of narrow image that is sold to underserved communities, right? That, that right. that's the way we pull ourselves out of poverty is that you go off and get these high paying jobs. But it wasn't until I got into a PhD program and was trying to figure out where I would sort of plant my feet in studying that I realized that part of my interest in studying issues related to foster care was in part because of my own experience. I never grew up feeling like I was a part of a foster care system because I was never mm-hmm formally in the system, though I grew up in in a family where I had cousins who lived with me and while I was in high school because their parents couldn't take care of them. So again, having exposure to the foster care system, I never really sort of realized my own proximity to it, that Mm. I was sort of adjacent to it. And many of my family members were directly impacted by it. So it wasn't until a job interview at Penn State where I'm presenting a research study on the experiences of Black college students in foster care was someone asked me, you know, so how do you sort of relate to the research? And it was in that moment that I had that aha moment, like, wow, I actually have lived sort of experience related to this topic that I, again, when you're, you know, being groomed and socialized as a professional, sometimes mm-hmm. you don't you think about decentering your own personal experiences in that mm-hmm. work. And so I think I was a product of not even centering myself in the work that I was doing, uh, and trying to center the populations that I was studying, but realizing that I had a unique perspective and connection to the work that really was a strength to how I was pr- approaching and conceptualizing um, the questions that I was studying. All right. Okay. That's what's up. <clears throat> and I know, um, so uh, I know my, our family, my family personally, my, uh, my mom's taking in nieces, nephews, cousins, yep. um, my wife's family is taking in nieces, nephews, cousins. My daughter's actually adopted. Um, so it's, it's something that's really important to us. But the interesting thing is when we went through the adoption process, everyone had all these, uh, misconceptions or asked all these random questions like, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, you know, was the, was the mom on drugs was, you know, all, all the weird stuff that was just 
did you guys get her out of a crack house? Like just the the all kind of crazy stuff. And based off of your studies, based off of your um, understanding, what do you think are some common misconceptions either about the adoption process or even regarding foster care? What are some common misconceptions you come across? I mean, I think you nailed it. Um, stigma is real. Mm-hmm. And we have a very narrow image about who's in foster care, why people are placed in foster care. We think, you know, these are kids who are crack babies, you mm-hmm. know, quote, unquote. these are kids who are bad. And right. they got placed in foster care because their parents didn't love them or their parents couldn't, you know, deal with them. Those are the images, dominant images and uh, sort, sort of uh, narratives that we peddle about young people in foster care, which impact their ability to be adopted. Is why we have so many 20,000 youth in the foster care system who age out. That mm-hmm. means that they arrive at an age in which the state has determined that they're adult and the state is no longer interested in providing care for them. So they're pushed out into adulthood mm. and they're experiencing, you know, they're more susceptible for experiencing homelessness, drug abuse, teen pregnancy, all the sort of risk factors that we know are concerning. Yeah. Um, but those are the, that's the stigma that's associated with being in foster care. I think the other part of the challenge is that there was a poll back in 2009, uh, so some time ago that said that 85% of Americans know little to nothing about the foster care system, Wow. which is crazy to me. 85% yeah. Of Americans know very little to nothing. And what we do know are these narrow negative images of them. In in, in part, you know, we think of students of color, youth of color Mm -hmm. being primarily, and and that's true, black youth are disproportionately represented among those in foster care um, more than any other group. So understanding what we know about like the negative connotations around the foster care system, but then also understand there are some very tragic truths, right? Absolutely. Would you say that your experience in, you know, as being a part of a kinship, right? Um, community, how would you say that benefited you versus being placed into the system? Yeah, it's the, it's the, it's what we know is the most, the the best alternative Mm -hmm. for being placed in the system. Youth who are placed in with their families are more likely to fare better. They're more likely to perform better educationally because in part, you know, when you get placed in with a family that may be outside of your school district, you have to transfer mm-hmm. schools. So school placement issues become an issue, right? School yeah. students fall behind in school and now they've flunked a grade, right? Um, they're more susceptible to dropping out. They're, they're more likely to experience better mental health outcomes. It's traumatic mm-hmm. to be ripped from your home. Even if you're mm-hmm. in a traumatic, abusive situation, to be removed from your home and be placed with strangers. That's another traumatic, that, that's compounding uh, traumatic experience. So to have the opportunity to be placed with your family is a sort of protective measure. And it's the best alternative we have to being placed in the system. And you know, for me, having the opportunity to, to be with my aunts, to be with my cousins, that was, uh, it certainly played a role because I didn't get shuffled in a system uh, that really in many ways did not have my best interest in mind. Yeah, and, and I can definitely understand that because, like I said earlier, my mom took in, uh, you know, of course, uh, over time, you know, in our communities, it, it, we probably know somebody who was probably addicted to drugs at some point. And so my mom was the house where we took in cousins and stuff like that. Yep. And even within that being related, uh, coming from the same background, having the same identity was a was a transition for my cousins um, moving from where they were and then coming to live with us and then even having to, you know based off of the reason why they had to live with us and it was just a complete uh a 
I guess, transition from them. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I always find it interesting that in our community specifically, I want to say that I've experienced where our biggest thing, and we're dealing with this for the family room right now, that we want to make sure we keep the kids out of the system. Uh, and what? why do you feel like it's, it's so essential to, especially people in our community, where we're, we don't care what's happening, our whole mindset is to keep them out of the system, let's get them out of the system uh, well, so they're not, I guess, floating around there. Yeah. I mean, l- listen to our black elders, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're wise. And many of them have distrust of public services, of government, of medicine, mm-hmm. for good mm-hmm. reason. We know that racism, you know, I'm putting my critical race theory head on, that racism mm-hmm. is structurally embedded in all of our systems. Absolutely. And it's not always apparent in the ways in which we imagine. Sometimes it's really subtle. Uh, sometimes it's embedded in the cultural fabric, the policies, practices, the, w- the way in which we do things. And our Black aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, all of them have experienced that in a, r- a really um, tr- traumatic way that discourages and, dis- and, and fosters dis- distrust. And so they know that to be placed in a system that is fundamentally designed to harm us. Right. Is not designed to serve us in any particular way. We tout foster care as a, a public good, but it, it's not functioning in the, in the way, and for our communities at least, uh, that it it sort of espouses. Uh, and so, part of that, you know, concern of parents, aunts, uncles, to keep us in the family is for good reason because the system harms us in in a way that is qualitatively different for other communities. Yeah. And before you go, Josh, I think it's yeah, interesting sure. that it's systems, uh, racist systems that created the systems. Like, so it's kind of like socioeconomic issues created by, you know, the government either, you know, dropping drugs into a, a certain environment, then mass incarceration and all that kind of stuff, which not saying that, again, not to stereotype the system as far as who's a foster care, but yeah, there, there's a big group of people who may have been displaced throughout the years because of, of those reasons, mass incarceration, uh, drug abuse, things of that nature. Like I said, I know personally people that we had to place in our house was either mass incarceration or some type of substance abuse um, and, and situations like that. So I just interesting that I understand why our elders wouldn't trust the system because you're trying to put kids in a system based off of a system. The reason why you have to get displaced because of something that the government created and within that. So that was a long, I mean, look at, you know, I've, I think about a lot about Micaiah Bryant, 16 year old black girl in Columbus, mm-hmm. Ohio, who was killed by a police officer. Mm-hmm. She had been in a foster care home for several years, her and her sister, Jania, and uh, her sister called the police because mm-hmm. two of the foster care siblings, mm-hmm. adult women were mm-hmm. jumping her. Now Micaiah yeah. had a knife and was trying I, to protect her. I remember her. that. Nicholas Reardon, the police officer uses deadly force and kills her. Right. But when you do the research and, you know, learn about um, um, what, what sort of happened prior to that, there've been a number of calls to police from that household, from Jania, the sister who mm. says, I don't want to live here. I feel unsafe and, you know, move me to a different foster care home. You know, I'm going to harm someone if I'm not. The foster care system is designed to protect them, but mm. they're, yet they're in these sort of precarious, unsafe situations in, in this case for so long that it ultimately results in the death of Micaiah. That's not, that, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's not the way a system should be operating that a kid could be and complain about their placement being say unsafe for so long that ultimately one of them dies. Like that, that's, that's the system is not operating the way it's supposed to. 
Do you watch Atlanta? Well, maybe it is. You said do you watch, watch Atlanta? Atlanta? I have not seen the show. Okay. So in it's it's it has oh yeah, yeah it I has shifted from its you know really great origins. It's you know Donald Glover's on some um, Get Out uh, Jordan Peele type of stuff now. Okay. Um, however, this most recent season's um, opening episode was based on the real story of uh, uh, Devonte. Um, Devonte, what is his Devante name? Grant? Hart, Devonte Hart, Hart, who Hart. was adopted by two. Um, white, well, was in the was placed under the foster care of two white parents who mm-hmm. um, eventually went through a whole, but like they had a history of like um, reported abuse and just some really strange behavior. And these white parents eventually drove them and all the other black kids that they had off a cliff. Um, I think it's a real life story. And, and if you remember, he was the famous picture of like the black little black kid hugging mm. the, the white police yes, officer. Yes, 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 I remember yes, that. yes, yes. That's that's that child. That was a real story. Right. Um, and it's just like you telling me about that, what you just talked about, just kind of reminded me of all these reports that went in, all these black social workers who were making these, yep. like was crying out trying to get these kids out of there, and their higher ups was like, Oh no, they're fine. Yep. They, you know, they have several other black kids in their home, everything is okay, and then like you know, based on some random act, right? They pack these children up, you know, and that is demise of an of an entire family, unfortunately. Yeah. Because these children were not protected in the ways that they were supposed to be protected. And right? we see black families, black students, black youth as disposable. Yes. And mm. not deserving uh, of the sign the kinds of love and opportunities and care that we give other kids and communities. And that that's that happens in our systems. And that's mm-hmm. why our black elders say don't, you know, don't place that baby in that system yeah. because we know what's going to happen. We got to mm-hmm. trust that wisdom <laughs> and know because of the, there are too many instances and cases where we're rendered disposable in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that you brought up our elders because the big mom and them, um, yep. they, they, they are surrogate parents, right? Um, I know like my mom and dad, um, I had the privilege and I, and I recognize this now, you know, I didn't really recognize this like I got a little older. I recognize I had the privilege to be in a two-parent household, right? But even in the summer, in those awkward ages where I was too old for a summer camp, too young to be working, or even that summer, my mom was like, I'm not paying $600 for you to go to summer camp, right? Yeah. I stayed at my grandma's house literally all summer, a Monday through Friday. Our parents would pick me up on a Saturday. So they were very much so a part of rearing me um, as my actual, you know, my, my, my biological mother and father was. I say all that to say uh, we hear the phrase all the time that it takes a village to raise a child. So from mm-hmm. your perspective, what does community mean? And do you still think that village concept is really important today? I think it should be important. You know, I, I benefited from a community of support, teachers, mm-hmm. um, people in the community, neighbors, aunts, uncles, who all in some way, shape or form played a role in my rearing experiences and who I, yeah. you know, who, who I, who I am today and contributing who I, who I became. Um, I don't know that community sort of looks the same as it did mm. in the eighties and the nineties uh, when I would have been growing up. It doesn't mean that it's not important or, you know, present. I think, maybe community has sort of evolved in a way that it sure. looks different. And, and and I try to, you know, I try not to be one of those people who, because it doesn't look like what I experienced, and I'm like, well, y'all ain't really doing it like how we used to do back in the day. I try not to be <laughs> one of those people. Um, but I, I imagine that maybe community looks different um, for, for newer parents and current generations than it did before. Community happens virtually. 
uh, in ways that it didn't happen before. You know, I grew up in a pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram world. Um, and, and now people get to experience community in different ways. They, you know, community is about uh, being a part of, feeling connected to, feeling respected and valued, having a shared set of values sure. uh, within uh, a system, within a network of people. Um, I think sometimes people experience community uh, in a variety of ways that are less traditional than what we sort of imagine being at our auntie houses in the summer or being at your grandma house in the summer, or going away for camp. I think community may look different. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause in even now, um, like my siblings don't live here. So mm. community Same. to me looks like Josh, right? Josh and his family and his boys. Right. And then, uh, our, my mom lives here, but we really spend a lot of time with our friends more so than our family in, 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 in a lot of cases. Uh, and you may call on your friends to like, hey, can you watch so-and-so for a moment or things of that nature? Uh, so I think community has kind of taken its shape. Where I think a lot nowadays, I think some people may um, can have the, can you, as friends, you can create that community. Like you mm-hmm. created, you decided that's going to be my friend, my brother, uh, where I think that friends kind of at some point is kind of kind of taking not precedence over family, but I think more of a weight on your friends as we can be growing, in my opinion. Because if you just, don't know, Brian, you are on Josh and Jaden's emergency contact list. <laughs> I love Look at that. that. So if you ever get a phone call, I didn't even ask you. I just be like, what's his name? And I would, and I would, and I literally would, uh, I would stop it. In, I would drop everything. And I know, to, know that you would. And that's yeah. exactly, yeah. I don't even have to ask. I know that, right? And that just goes I, I to your point. I love that because we have to broaden how we define and think about family, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so many youth in foster care, when you ask them about their mom or dad or their family, Lots of times they're not talking about biological kin members. They're talking about their chosen family. They're talking about the, the, the family, the communities that they've created and curated over the years, um, you know, th- through folks at school, through teachers, through social workers, et cetera. Uh, and so even just hearing that, right, like family is beyond just sort of the family that we were born with, but it's the family that we choose and the family that chooses us. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you used the word choose because my next question is a different transition, but the word choose oh, kind of you know opens it up. Yeah. All right, so transition. So recently, Supreme Court is considering overturning Roe v. Wade, okay, uh, which affects the rights of Americans in essence to choose right if abortion is the best option for them and their families. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, how do you feel? Uh, it will affect, or if it will affect, uh, the foster slash adoption system in any way. It, it, it's so funny. I, I saw some interview with a, a, a journalist. He was asking a group of white women who were outside protesting mm-hmm. uh, life. <laughs> and we asked him, we said, oh, oh, so how, how many of you have adopted? And he went, mm-hmm. sort of went down the line. <laughs> and none of them, they said, no, I have my own kids. And so it, it's interesting that we pivot to say the foster care system and adoption system is the viable sort of alternative when the system doesn't function well. uh, And we have so many kids. I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. there are 20,000 youth who age out of the foster care system each year. And many, you you know, you've spent upwards of five, six, seven years in the foster care system before getting adopted. Uh, And the longer you're in the foster care system, the more susceptible you are to abuse to trauma, to other sort of concerning outcomes and risk factors that we care about. 
Um, and those who age out of the system have all, you know, the, 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 those, those sort of same concerning outcomes. So we, we tout the adoption and foster care system as a viable alternative for those right. who um, d- don't want to get aborted. And I'm just like, that's not, that's not the alternative. The system right. currently does not work. And, and <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's just bizarre to me that it, and, and most folks who are, you know, uh, promoting that as an alternative are not people who even know anything about. They're in the 85 percent I mentioned earlier who know nothing about the foster care system uh, and, and its functionality and its impact on communities of people who look like us. Yeah, I agree 100 percent, because even with like like that we adopted. So I even know the hurdles of adopting and how that process is even tough. Uh, so to say that it's just, oh, that's the easy alternative. Right. Yeah. Oh, you just just have the baby and then give it up for adoption. Like as if that's not another level of trauma that a parent has to deal with making that decision to place. Right. There's some there's so many things involved within that. Um, are you going to then change laws to you know help out those expecting mothers and all that kind of stuff? Like, so if to, to it, I think I saw that where they came to those ladies and were like, oh, have you guys adopted? And they were like, no, like, nope. You don't really care about life. You just, you're just, you know, it's you don't really understand it. But I, I found that to be interesting. It's all politicized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It, that's and, all it is. And this statement is not to be associated with the thoughts or perspectives of Dr. Royale Johnson. I'm going to say that. <laughs> but can we stop asking these privileged lily white women their perspective on things that does not even concern them or they have no real yeah. level, no basis of understanding around? Because it, they're, they're not the barometer. For mm-hmm. a lot of these conversations, and they are always seen as right. Even even our elected officials who are making some of these laws and making these some of the decisions have real no 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 real concept of understanding. Right, some of the systemic challenges, some of the historic challenges that go into this, like the 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 possible outcomes that could be affected as a result of these decisions, and mm-hmm. we're constantly going to these individuals, asking them their opinion, and then here. You know what I'm saying? Here she is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know. I, I don't want to say can my mother's my mother's um, my mother-in-law's name is Cameron, so I try not to try not to use Cameron <laughs> a lot. But you know what I'm saying? But but here she is giving perspective on something, right? That yeah, she, like you know what I'm saying. So I I just wanted to put they are not the barometer. Yeah, but that's <laughs> a question of who voices we think matter, who voices yeah. we think matter. Uh, they have to stop being the point of reference. Whose experiences we prioritize in policy decision making as well, and voices mm-hmm. are missing and absent from those conversations. And this is off topic, but on topic. I went to go vote yesterday, mm-hmm. and there was this really old, old white lady that I was voting. Mm-hmm. I was in my mind, I was thinking like, she ain't both states. You're, I was, but I was thinking like, you're voting for stuff <laughs> and for policies <laughs> that. You are, you're not affected by now, and you're yes, probably yeah. never going to be affected by. Because she could fly up out of here tomorrow, right? And, and that's what we talk about is privilege, right? That, that, that yes. folks are privileged to go to a voting booth and arbitrarily make voting decisions with no concern about its material impact on them, right? Because the, the they don't feel the sense of urgency mm-hmm. in, in the in, in the way that we do because they're, they're not being impacted by it, and mm-hmm. that's a privilege. Yeah. That's another conversation for another time. I was just—I don't want to discriminate versus age, but I was just like, like she couldn't find a machine. She was just struggling. And I was like, "You're voting," and votes nowadays come come down to like one or two votes. Like, and I was thinking, like, you're really, 
especially you know. in Atlanta, especially in Georgia. Yes. <laughs> right? Bruh. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, one yes. lady, uh, Beth Moore, she lost by like seventy-eight votes or something like that. So, like, it's a yeah. it's a small small amount of votes. Okay, that was off topic, but go, Josh. No, yeah. So, understanding all that you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> and the perspective that we have now, and all the things that we've learned, because I've learned a lot um, so far in this conversation. So, outside of the standard practices um, that comes with the foster care and adoption systems, what are some ways you feel as though those systems can help? expecting mothers and potentially incentivize families to um to be a, you know to be foster parents or adoptive parents yeah um we repeat the last part for me one more time yeah 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 yeah. so um we're asking what are some of the ways that you feel the system as he is right mm-hmm. can help expecting mothers and potentially incentivize families to become foster parents yeah, I think one, you know, the lack of awareness about it, even as a viable opportunity, right, that that, that is mm-hmm. available. There's a lot of stigma associated for good reason, mm-hmm. right, about the foster care system and black families. We don't culturally, sometimes we don't talk about it. Right. And mm-hmm. we talked earlier about the discouragement that black elders have about placing youth in the system. So in that way, it's sort of stacked against us. Mm-hmm. And then when you already don't know much about it, um, that, that that's another, another sort of issue. But, you know, I have a cousin who. Um, who put her kid in adoption. She got pregnant at 16 mm-hmm. and wasn't able to, you know, to, to commit to raising them. Wasn't, pre- was a kid herself, wasn't right. prepared to do it. And she made the, what she thought was a really good decision uh, to, to place her kid. And the, you know, her, her daughter got adopted and many years later, they've been able to reconnect. So mm-hmm. I, I think there are those stories that are available where, Kids go on to do amazing things. They find loving and supportive families uh, to, 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 to rear the kids and, you know, and they do well. Um, but, but I think, you know, we don't hear enough about those sort of stories. And the reality is that um, there's so many youth who don't get. So it's a toss in the, in the bucket, and especially for youth of color, because they're less likely to get adopted, especially the older you are. Mm. So you have a better chance of being adopted as a newborn than someone yeah. who's entering at age 13, age 12, because at that point you already internalize all the sort of um, the, the, the concerns that you expect about that kid. It's going to be a problem child, you know, child, it's going to be, you know, crack baby, all, all those sort of stereotypes that we, we think about uh, of you to get placed in the foster care system. So I think part that, of it's general awareness. That reminds me of an episode of a different world around season three or four. Um, Walter Oaks was a part of this um, community group and they had, it was a young black boy. I want to say no older than maybe 10 or 12 on the show. And when Freddie, shout out Freddie, mm-hmm. was um, uh, going there and she found out he was going to be a part of this adoption fair, she immediately got troubled and pressure wanted to pressure her professor because she learned that they were trying to adopt to get this particular child. And mm-hmm. in that conversation, he said, me and my wife, I think we want to start with a newborn. Right. And it, and of course, Freddie kind of overstepped her bounds and questioned because he was also on campus as like a, um, I, I want to say he was like a business professor teaching something around like social justice and the black experience. So she questioned all of his work in that space. 
um, mm-hmm. because he advocated for some of, so some of the same things, right? Dismantling some of these systems, but then was perpetuating some of the issues that we see, leaving these, but p- kind of creating these, um, putting these stereotypes on these young children, right? Yep. Um, but in the end, right, he ended, you know, of course it was television. He ended up saying, me and my wife are going to, you know, be the parents and all these different types of things. But, you know, um, art imitates life. Right. So I think that was a really clear picture, even in the early 90s, of some of those some of those real issues that you just talked about, Royale. Yeah. Um, how older older children are kind of seen as, you know, castaways or they're not wanted because you can't you can't raise them from from birth, essentially, or yeah. you can't really mold, like they you feel like they're tainted in such a way. Mm-hmm. And I just don't I don't I don't I, I don't believe that that is entirely true. Um, and I also I guess my question to you is, is that. Is there anything that we can do to combat some of those perspectives or is that kind of those unfortunate things that's just going to be pervasive with the system? Yeah, I I think it's a reality. You know, I I was thinking about your question. You know, the reality is that if you are a white mother of a white kid, that kid is more likely to have a better experience in foster care, is more likely to be adopted than, uh, you know, a family of color who's making the decision mm-hmm. that they can care for their kid. It's a reality. It's a, it, you know, it's, it's a possibility that your kid will not have the opportunities that white kids will have, that they will spend more time in the foster care system, that they will be more susceptible to the, the concerning things that you're worried about in the first place that are, you know, are, are pu- pushing you to placed them in the foster care system. Yeah. Um, it's an unfortunate reality. And, you know, it's, it's actually why a lot of folks are calling to similar to conversations about defunding the police. Folks are having conversations about what it means to defund the foster care system and reimagine what alternatives might look like. I don't know what those alternatives are sure. yet, but I know that the system currently does not work in the way in which it's touted. And it's people who look like us who are, most directly, most neg- negatively impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, I have one last question I really wanted to kind of get into is really um, like deals with like identity, right? Mm-hmm. I know you're an expert, diversity, inclusion, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a good intersection in dealing with what that, uh, you know, as being a person who has been fostered or somebody that's been adopted, like what does that do with when it comes to identity, how they see themselves, especially in some cases where they are, I think you just heard earlier, you may be fostered by somebody who does not look like you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, kinship care is so important because you have the opportunity to be around a community that reflects your cultural orientation versus being in a family that is completely has different sort of cultural values, ways of knowing food, you know, all these different cultural practices um, affect youth especially if you're a kid in this early stage of development, you're trying to understand who you are and you, you're sort of, you know, being exposed to so much um, yeah. that, that influences. And what I've learned uh, from my research that, you know, youth and care experience so many dilemmas in school. Do I disclose? Many of them talk about, you know, the, you know, coming out as a foster youth and the ways in which mm. we think about, you know, coming out for LGBTQ. Mm that sometimes that they, they, they work really hard to conceal that aspect of their identity mm. because of the fear of the stigma, the stigma that teachers may have yeah. when teachers have low expectations of youth and foster care, they're more likely to punish them and, you know, refer them to explosionary discipline practices because they see them as unfit for the classroom. So students make conscious and deliberate decisions about when and where and whom 
to disclose their foster care identity too because of those concerns. When social workers show up to school in their you know, sort of business attire, it raises mm-hmm. questions among kids. They're like, who is this person? You know, kids, know that's not the parent, right? All of these, you know, factors and experiences shape their identity. It shapes who they are. It shapes, it shapes their ability or inability to develop relationships with adults. Many youth in foster care grow up having um, significant distrust of adults and concerns about autonomy and agency and wanting to make decisions for themselves because when you so much of your life is dictated by a system and a mm. set of adults who all who don't always have your best interests in mind, you distrust mm. them, right? It's why yeah. they have concerns about, you know, going on medication because they feel like their voices are not always heard when they're talking to therapists or psychiatrists who are making in their minds sometimes wrongful assessments about their ability and their behaviors uh, because they don't understand them, right? So all of this shapes youth, especially in this particular age, when many of them are just trying to figure out who they are, who they want to be, uh, and, and how they want to be in relationship uh, with others, their peers, their teachers, uh, and others in community. I absolutely wow. love that. As a, yeah. as a, um, I'm a DEI manager um, as well, so I, I absolutely love that. And I'm always advocating for um, the representation and why it matters so much. Um, so to, to, to hear that right perspective specifically concerning, um, the foster care system and how that affects, right. These, you know, these children and how they navigate their worlds via school, community, friend groups, and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's just perspective I didn't have. And so thank you for that. Um, also thank you for this conversation. This has been really, really, really good. Yeah. So, so we're going to, before we go into black man, self, black person, self-care, um, we're gonna do a couple of more culture code questions. Is that okay? okay? Yep, yep. I feel like okay. So I'm, you know, Brian and I are going to throw out a couple. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't. I'm not going to ask you this because I feel like you kind of answered this. So I'm not going to do that. But um, as well, let me just let me just start off by saying this: candy beer is. Oh, I know <laughs> I'm not going to talk about you know so, legs, hips, no body, and body. <laughs> Uh, but she she got down there on <laughs> Cicely Tyson's cable <laughs> and said that if she was in a versus with the <laughs> Destiny's Child, that she would win. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate the confidence and I, I, I respect Candy. Oh, oh what's a delusion? I mean, Candy, <laughs> Candy is a hustler. You know, she I think she is. I think that was a. I think she knew that was going to be a soundbite because she, she knows know, better. She knows better. She knows. She better. knows better. And Giselle ain't like going not down on to Beyonce's the internet. Anyway. Not on Beyonce's internet. She's no. not going down to the verses anyway. No. Uh, but with that you know, being said, she like she wrote a couple of the songs. You know that. You know. She, <laughs> no, no, that's not fair. No, no. They have to play no scrubs at their own verses to have yeah. a competing chance against SWV, <laughs> who also right. did not have 20 hits. Neither. That's, 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 that's neither here nor there. Neither. However, <laughs> while verses has been played out for a while, because we're yep. kind of tired of them, if there was one you wanted to see, realistic or not, which one would you would you choose? How would you set it up? Nikki and Kim. Great. Great. I mean, it's one that I think I would love yeah. to see it happen, especially because so much of the hostility in their relationship, like yes, publicly. So I would like it to be that come to Jesus kind of moment where, like Brandy and Monica had. 
Yeah, well, that one really was. That was so you know, awkward. That was a little awkward. You know, I, I wanted to be more like the Patty and Gladys, the two sisters coming together. I don't mm -hmm. imagine that will happen, but maybe that they would have, that they could put themselves aside, their egos aside. And, you know, I think Nikki is a different person than what she was prior to having a kid. I'm going to say motherhood did all of that. Motherhood changes. <laughs> so I was listening to the interview she did with Joe Button. And she gave Nikki, uh, she gave, uh, she gave Kim, Kim props. flowers. Yeah, she did. She gave Kim props several times, and that, and I was really that's that to me that's that's evidence of growth. It's ev evidence of evolution. And so I was like, I may, I think maybe I could imagine them actually sitting next to each other, having a conversation, and Nikki, you know, paying homage to to, to Kim, recognizing her influence. I don't think Nick, Kim can win. A versus no, no, not at against all. Nikki, not at all. I think culturally, for the moment, like that, that, that would be a big thing for our culture. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, speaking of versus, okay. What, what are you, Brian? What are you say? Whenever he comes back, <laughs> but, so I'm frozen. Um, okay, I mean, the I other one would be, the other one would be Drake and Kanye. Uh, I think that that would be one to see. I think they're they're, they're very different. But Drake and Kanye would be one that I would be interested in seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that that's never happening. Never. <laughs> we know that that's never happening. But I'll be, <laughs> I'll be interested to see it too. The one that I've said for a while was um, actually Beyonce and Rihanna. I think it would. Rihanna. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she's the only. I, I don't think that they're comparable. But I feel yeah. like if Beyonce were ever that's to enough. have a versus, there's really no one else that could probably stand toe to toe. And let's be clear, Beyonce would never do verses. Oh, she would never. Giselle <laughs> is never going down to the verses. Would never do a verses. But if it were <laughs> to happen, Ivy would never let her do a verses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it no, would. That, that would be a good one. Uh, Re listen, Rihanna is a legend. Mm -hmm. Rihanna is an icon. She has hits and has more hits, you know, technical Billboard hits than you know Beyonce. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it would be a good cultural matchup, sure. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I yeah, I would love to see that. And I think we've always gotten stuck on what's a hit because yeah. the fans jump in and want to be like, "Well, what about this?" And no one knows that song with you. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, the next one that we will ask here is, um, okay, romantic road trip or getting flued out? Preference flued out. Who now? Who want to sit on the road? <laughs> Fly me out. Yeah. I, I want to drink champagne on the plane. I mm -hmm. want to be when we get off. Yeah, all that. <laughs> Got you. Okay. I'm going to ask one more and then we can wrap up and head on over to um, our last segment. Um, this is a question, you know, fill in the blank. Best okay. as you know how. Why didn't Harriet Tubman ever smile in her picture? What I don't even know how we have pictures because uh, I don't know I don't know the timeline and when cameras were created. I think I don't know if these are things of, <laughs> of pictures, you know, from from stories people tell. Um, sure. You know, but Harriet Harriet was in a really uh, rough situation. There wasn't nothing to smile about. Yeah, nothing to smile about. She was sick of <laughs> This funny. It, it makes it makes me think about uh, Portia Williams in the Underground Railroad uh, <laughs> when she asked about 
<laughs> where the train let out. <laughs> Can we pause for Portia's evolution though? Because <laughs> where she was from that moment up until today is a oh. whole different woman. <laughs> and her grandfather is like this notable civil rights icon in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, and she just sis just didn't know any of the things. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why Harriet didn't smile because because Portia don't know her history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. All right, Royal, uh, before we wrap up this part of the show, please tell the people um, how they can follow you, anything that you have coming up that is worth sharing or you want to share. Um, let the people know. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Royal Johnson, R O Y E L Johnson. You can follow me on Instagram at Dr. D R. Period. Royal Johnson, R-O-Y-E-L-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. My website is just my name, first and last name.com, royaljohnson.com. Um, I think look for more opportunities for me to be engaged in public ways. You know, I've been engaged in a lot of research over the years and, you know, I, I feel a, a real sense of responsibility and duty to communicate it more. Uh, and I'm currently writing a book okay. uh, called Family Matters, How Youth and Foster Care Access College. I've been studying, uh, Youth and foster care for a number of years, and it's time to bring life to their stories uh, in a book. And I hope that that is an opportunity um, to advocate for more meaningful policy uh, and, and practice change in the field. I love that. That was one of my least. I, I love the title of the book. One of my least favorite shows, but it's a recognition in this Family day matters, and age. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a play on the, you know. Yeah, yeah. Teresa Good knows in the newspaper page. That's, <laughs> if, they, if they had nothing else, they had an amazing. <laughs> <laughs> opening song that's what's up though man so we'll be looking out for the book um all of the puzzle pieces please go follow um and support and hit them up and check out what's going on we're going to head over to the segment we call i am my brother's keeper or black person self-care to talk about what we're doing to take care of these great black bodies let's do that all right we are here at black man self-care and thank you royal for hanging around with us this is a place for those that do not know where we kind of talk about what we do to take care of our black bodies either mm-hmm. physically emotionally so uh royal what are you doing and what have you done or what do you plan on doing to take care of your yourself so i have always been a therapy advocate but i have only recently you know got a secured a therapist Okay, And it has been the best decision I've ever made uh, as it relates to investing in my mental health. Um, I meet once a week right now with a therapist who I love. And it's been a wonderful revelatory kind of experience where I've been able to make connections to from my childhood and how that shaped who I am, how I show up, the, the opportunities and areas that I need to grow in because of you know, things that I've internalized as a kid and so forth. Uh, it, it's been so helpful to just have someone to to talk with. I think as someone who has experienced a degree of success, you sort of, um, it, it's difficult to be vulnerable sometimes because, mm. you know, given my own sort of family background and experiences, I was the one who sort of made it out of Chicago, out of the the hood and into college. And because of that, I've sort of maintained this sort of stoic persona and, you know, very strong. When people say, check on your strong friends, I'm that strong Mm -hmm. friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) that folks need to check on. (laughs) Right, right, right. And, you know, therapy has given me an opportunity to be way more vulnerable in ways that I have not allowed myself to be with other people because I'm still operating in this, um, 
this, this sort of persona. Uh, so therapy is great, man. I'm also working out. I'm trying to work out more. Uh, this summer, I want to get into tennis. I, I only watch tennis to see Serena and hello. I, I, I've developed, you know, aspirations to, to, to play. And so I want to take lessons this summer. So that's one of my goals. That is okay. so good. We love to see black men in therapy. I love to see someone else on the podcast advocating for fitness. <clears throat> Brian. Um, you know, I, am, I am who I am. Yeah. And I, brother, I, I love you am. for the totality of who you are. <laughs> Uh, Brian, what are you what are you doing for self care, bro? Nothing. I'm literally taking this weekend off. You know, I work a lot in terms, especially the weekends, nights, and all that we kind know. of stuff. So I'm not doing anything this weekend. No traveling. Not going anywhere out of town. I'm staying home with the family and doing nothing. Listen, rest is a radical form of self care. Yeah. <laughs> one of the best things that we can do. The best. So Absolutely. that's that's what I'm doing. Nothing at all. Yeah, Rogers. Okay. We love to hear. Yeah, so I'm going to. Um, so it's it's almost summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working out profusely. I have a couple of leg tattoos, so I am wearing my short shorts. Who's your shorts? Your hoochie daddy shorts. Hoochie daddy shorts. Let's I am. go. I posted on my IG story the reason why I got leg tattoos was to wear my five inch shorts. Okay, and that's what I'm going to be doing <laughs> out here enjoying the sun, thighs out, skies out. Okay, that's what it's, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> Just. Uh, but Coochie. no, seriously, no. My cousin is having her birthday brunch, so we'll be around friends and family, and just kind of kicking off summer with Memorial Day. Um, so that's that's going to be me. But that's it. So Brian, I think that uh, that wraps up this segment. Royal, thank you again, man. Thank you for coming. We got to bring you back. This was fun. Yeah, bring me back, man. I'm yeah. gonna be, I'm come back. This was fun, <laughs> maybe, and maybe so, for Hot Boy Summer. Maybe I think we can have some Hot Boy Summer conversations. We can do it. <laughs> Brian, I don't know if Brian told you, but we'll be in Cali this summer. So okay, we'll, yeah, let's connect. Let's 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 definitely let's yeah, definitely. I'm the, I'm the mayor of Hot Boys, so it, <laughs> we definitely say let's say less. And mind you, the, the man of God had uh had you know you know something in the in, in our cups. You know how we do. So don't tempt me with a good time. Don't we got we got we got to hang out. All right, Brian. Let's out. head on over to our listener letters. <laughs> <laughs> and do this. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Bozeman. Wait, hey, 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 Mr. Bozeman. All right, good people. We are here at the P.O. Box, and Rodney Jenkins has delivered his letter, as he always does. But before we get yep. into that, you too can be featured on the show and get your letter read aloud by emailing us at oh my god i'm gonna get talking that emailing us at ask the jigsaw that is ask the jigsaw at gmail.com and we will possibly read your letter aloud we will give you a pseudonym because we respect your privacy and your pronouns and we're going to give you the best non-professional therapeutic advice that you can receive on cicely tyson's internet so brian with that being said understood and accepted who do we have and what do they want all right we got uh pronouns she her Mm, Thelma Evans. Thelma Evans. Mm-hmm. Thank God for good Thelma time. Evans. <laughs> good, good time. Well, Bernadette Stannis, if you will. Either way, Bernadette Stannis. Either or. <laughs> she had the little, always had the little baby hair and the little little bang, but not baby bangs, but the little sideburn things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, uh, let's see. So Bernadette Stannis, aka uh, Thelma Evans, as, as JJ said, Thelma, Thelma Evans. Uh, <laughs> Right. Hey guys, love the show and the space you have created for millennials. We need this. Thank oh, you. God bless you. Uh, I am a 30-year-old woman and I have been at the same company since undergrad. I interned there and took on full 
time wrote after I graduated. I make good money and the benefits are tremendous. You know, since the pandemic, I have had been remote with a recent shift in being hybrid last month. Everything sounds good, right? <clears throat> well, fast forward to a meeting last week and I was presenting on a big project. I killed the presentation. To add to the story, a few high level execs were on a call. Uh, when the question and answer portion came, I was hitting on all cylinders. One of the VPs asked a question, but directed it to my immediate supervisor. Cool. Another VP stepped in and said, ask the girl who did the presentation. She knows it all. I was immediately hot. Girl? White man, who are you talking to? I spoke to my manager and he told me just to let it go, but I could not. What would you do? I do not want to quit, but I also cannot go with this being unaddressed. Any advice would help. I appreciate you guys. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Bernadette Stannis, a.k.a. Thelma Good uh, Evans. You write Thelma Good Times Evans. I like that. Thelma <laughs> <laughs> Good Times Evans. Um, Brian, you want to take a stab at it first? Uh, when I read this, uh, when when I when they say ask the girl, that immediately kind of triggers the blackness in us. We don't appreciate being unless it's like in a terms of endearment from other black folks. Mm-hmm. Like even if my wife, because sometimes you have a wife, I have a wife, and they can be telling us a story and acting and be like, "Girl," mm-hmm. and you, you know, it's just yeah. no offense. Yeah. It happens. They be like, "Girl." And my wife be like, oh, my bad. I'll be like, whatever. Just keep going with the story. But like calling someone a girl or a boy, especially black folks, is is condescending and really offensive on at a lot of levels. Um, even when your parents be trying to tell you off, they be calling you little boy and little girl and all that kind of stuff, trying to like assert their authority. Um, so that's that's really rude. Uh, it's great that you are doing well in your career and all that kind of stuff, but I can definitely understand um how would it feel to feel like you are um, uh, disrespected, but also unprotected in the sense where your manager was like, oh, just let it go, right? Um, and, and, and you have that personality, you probably wouldn't let it go. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be the person to, you know, turn over chairs and table, t- tables. Because um, I would, I, I, my thing would be, is it worth my time saying something to people that are probably never going to understand and never going to care, and that meeting going to be left with them just probably looking at you saying like, oh, thank you for, for letting us know. And it's never going to change anything. Um, so it, it, my response to that, I don't know what my response would be, um, but I can definitely see how you feel. Uh, your feelings are completely, 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 completely um, um, uh, uh, accurate. Uh, Cause I too would be, would have been offended if somebody said, ask the boy um, who did the, who did the, um, who did the presentation. So, I don't know if I gave you a great answer, but that was is just my thought process on this uh this letter. What about you, Josh? Um, pretty much. The only thing that I would add is that um just piggybacking off of what Brian said, I definitely agree. Um, as a black man, do not call me boy. And referencing mm-hmm. good times, Michael Evans used to always say boy is a white racist word. <laughs> it is. Right. And that that VP may have just been he could have had some blinders on, but at, at this stage of the game, you have to be sensitive enough to know that calling a black woman girl, Mm-mm. and even if she wasn't black, that's a grown woman. And to Brian's point, we ain't cool enough for you to be like, this is a term of endearment. You know what I'm saying? We don't have that space for us. that This isn't a casual conversation or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So it was highly inappropriate. I would address it. I just would. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your manager is unwilling to do so, 
Maybe you can get HR involved, but sometimes that opens up a huge can of worms. But it also may be, you know, depending on who they are, beneficial to schedule a one-on-one with that VP and just have a conversation Mm -hmm. and talk about the ways in which um, that is um, offensive. Yep. So uh, I hope it all works out, sis. Um, You seemed really accomplished. You are similar to Brian in the sense that you've worked at the same place for 50 years. I need to Uh, to go to school. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, I get it. Like, the longevity and the benefits and, you know, working your way up. But at the same time, if you feel it strongly enough to quit, you've built a solid resume, I'm sure. Yep. Um, So just be confident in that. And best of luck. Prayers up to you, sis. Yep, prayers up. Yep. All right. Um, Brian, you ready to go to the um, greater conversation, give some of our chests? Because I got let's, it. Let's do it. Okay, let's go. Let me talk. Let me talk. All right, we are here to greater conversation where we take this time to get some things off of our chest. Listen, life is too short. Custom out today. Like, there's no sense <laughs> of carrying on that, yes. that stress. For tomorrow, just cuss them out today, get it off your chest, and just do what you got to do. So, Josh, do you have something you want me to go first, or do you want to do this? Uh, are you going to reference the um, the shootings and our legislators and stuff like that? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going to be pretty quick um, with mine. I'm kind of quick, too, but mine is a little bit more frivolous. But So, I'm trying to figure, do we go silly first, or do we go serious first? Um, Let's go serious first. Okay. And we'll lighten it so, up toward the end? Yeah, because my serious is really more so on the... This, but this is politics in terms of the hypocrisy of politics. Yeah, and I probably want to agree with hundred percent, which is why I didn't want to get into it because I know you were going to tap into it. So yeah, let's go. The, the, let's go. The thoughts you send out, thoughts and prayers for when people get killed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw something on Instagram that said, "Well, send out thoughts and prayers to people getting abortions too." Like, like which, what, what, what is the the hypocrisy of it all? Um, you're you're sending thoughts and prayers out to things that you can actually you have the ability to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? You could prevent these things from happening. Robin Nett has yet to sign a a hate crime bill against black folks, and when we clearly had something like that, there's not going to be a bill that's going to come out regarding or be passed regarding any type of gun laws or legislation. So, like, save all your thoughts and prayers for somebody who actually legitimate thoughts and prayers. Like, pray for people for real, but all of that, you know. Thoughts and prayers go out to the family. This is that, you know, my wife and I are thinking about you and all that kind of stuff. Like, save it because it's, it's just it's just crap. So that's that's all I gotta say. I don't want, I don't have too much to really get into, but it's just annoying. But yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, even with Ted Cruz, the thoughts and prayers thing, but you got a you got a schedule keynote with NRA. Yeah, and you won't vote against or vote for the bill mm-hmm. for greater gun protection. And not that that's going to be the end all. But like it is no, definitely no, no. a step in the right direction, and you're voting again. So, what are your thoughts and prayers really doing? It's all hearsay and and trade. And you're from Texas, right, sir? Yeah. Um, it, it happened on under your watch. Under your watch. Um, but anyway, I said I was gonna get into it. I was, but you know, that's that's what it is. And and, and side note, while we here, <laughs> Steve Kerr, <laughs> I, I liked your energy, but you didn't have oh, all that yes. energy for Buffalo. He for did the not. Black folk. He you did mentioned not. them in your rant, mm-hmm. but. Where was that same energy when it happened? Right, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, I feel and, like and, and I feel like your career is made selective. off the backs of black people. It is. They are y'all selected. They are. How y'all want to cry out, y'all. It's real loud when white and and not to say that black people's lives mean more and things like that, but it's like, come on, if we're gonna talk about humanity, 
right? That's, that's and the, that's senseless the violence and stuff right? like that. That's the frame that you have, bro. We got to keep the same energy for regardless who they are and uh, what race or ethnicity they represent. Um, but anyway, I want to. So, Brian, you probably saw it on the Instagram because I posted it. Okay. I was at the gym, minding my business, building my son. Okay. Okay. my weights. And there were these women behind me. And I could tell they were trying to be flirty because they, they had made comments. Um, mm. Just random conversation while I was working out. And, you know, I was just laughing it off. Hee hee ha ha. And one of them, mm-hmm. in her, what I think is an attempt to flirt, because she had, you know, spoken and said a few things before this comment, said, has anybody told you you look like Tory Lanez? <sighs> I put that barbell down. Tory Lanez? And all I the said, people Tory Lanez? I said, the man who shot Megan? <laughs> and she said, <laughs> yeah. Tina and, Snow. And she said, but I also heard he, she just stepped on glass. I said, okay. I said, there's, there's issues all around. I said, and I told her. And I told her, I'm going to tell you what I put on the Instagram and I told her this. I said, hell is a real place. And I would hate for you to go to hell for telling such an egregious lie on me. I don't look nothing <laughs> like no Tory of the Lanes. Tory Lanes is short. And that nigga's just ugly. Let me just say it that way. That is an ugly mofo. Okay, and the man. fact that you could, and then his character is so misaligned with who I am. It was just offensive. Even if you legitimately thought that I look like him, in what mm-hmm. world is that a compliment? That's like me saying somebody look like Flavor Flav. They might look like him. I know somebody who looks like Flavor Flav. Former Ooh. choir director of Cathedral of Faith. <gasps> I know you know the man I'm talking about. He looks I don't just know. like say, say his, name. Mm-mm. <laughs> his name has something to do with Wheel of Fortune, but <sighs> but I wouldn't dare tell that man you look like Flavor Flav because it's not a compliment, no matter how true that is. Like Flavor Flav is the textbook definition of ugly. <laughs> so the fact that like so there's just certain things, even if that is your opinion, I can't change your opinion because I know that I'm not fine to everybody. And I understand that people have that fallacy in their ocular, um, you know, abilities. They can't see the beautifulness mm-hmm. that is me. And I get it. I get it. Everybody ain't gonna see me the same way. However, unless you think Tory Lanez is attractive, which I don't know why you would, don't hit me with that. Because you didn't even end it like Tory Lanez is cute. You just ended it with <laughs> you look like Tory Lanez. And girl, <laughs> go to hell. I said it the nice way, but today. Go to hell. Okay. <laughs> I hope you stub your toe every morning for the rest of your life. That is that is the hope that I have for you because there are stop doing it. Matter of fact, there's a few things, Brian, as I get older, yes. I recognize about me and my life. There are certain things I say in my head, there are certain things I say to my friends, and there are other things that I say across this mic. And all mm-hmm. three of those things are different. You okay. should be able to know that that's one of the things you just keep in your head. And if you mm-hmm. were trying to flirt, you missed it. If you were mm. not trying to flirt, you definitely missed it. Yeah. So stub your toe and burn. All right. Ooh. That concludes another episode of the Jigsaw Podcast. As always, we want to thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much for listening. Thank you to Dr. Royale again for coming through and thank you. The GMs. It was so great conversation. Such a great conversation. Absolutely excited that you were here and looking forward to um possibly having you back again brother um but yeah thank y'all always thank you for the support we love y'all we love y'all we love y'all um brian let the people know how they can follow and keep up with us listen follow us uh on social media i am john i am joshua rogers i i am josh rogers i am brian Hare. the jigsaw podcast we're on facebook we have a tiktok out there somewhere so tick and talk with us 
Uh, let's get those numbers up. If we are on every single podcast streaming platform, so please feel free to uh, like, share, subscribe, rate us five stars and nothing at all. Leave us a comment. Let us know how great we are. Listen, we are great by ourselves, but with you, you make us even better. So we do appreciate your love and support and all the things that you're doing. If you have any topics of conversation that you want to have for us, let us know. Ask the Jigsaw of the Jigsaw Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we want to hear from you. Slide into those DMs. Let us know how great you feel our show is. Uh, if you're having any summer parties, if you're having any weddings, feel free to invite us. We may not show up, but just invite us because we want to be invited. We may not even show up for you, though. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. Before we let the um, episode end, Josh, let the people know what they need to do and should do in their daily lives. Yeah. Um, all you can do is what you can, why you can, the very best ways that you can. But in all you're doing, please do not get caught with your work undone. We love y'all. Catch you next week. With the love of the Lord. Huh? Bless Ooh, you. <laughs>